0: Radio. First for news.
1: Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six. I tell you what, it's flipping cold. Up until uh, three minutes ago, I was wearing a hat in the studio. Aye, ah, that's how cold it was. Yes, I've also got a shirt and a t-shirt. I never normally do that. I'm kind of like having the. I like my chest hairs out and about. This morning, I'm wearing a t-shirt underneath my shirt. And I'm finding it... Are you having this? I'm finding it harder and harder to get out of bed. My alarm goes up off at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, don't worry, I don't mind. Uh, and up until last week, the alarm went off. Boom, I was up, I was out. Now I'm, I'm sitting in bed, I'm turning my phone on, I'm, I'm checking my emails, checking the Facebook, checking the eBay, checking the Twitter. I didn't get out of bed until 12 minutes after my alarm went. It's only mid-December. What's it going to be like in February. That's how you say it. There's an R there's an R there. F-E-B-R. February. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Including. You'll see protesters at Watford Junction and Wolverton train stations today. They're unhappy about planned fare increases. Will the high cost of train travel ever stop you travelling? Have you been in an accident where the driver or someone in the other car said they'd suffered whiplash? Yeah, I have. Oh, I have. It's annoying. It's a woman I knew as well. I bumped bumped into her car, and I got out and I knew her. Well, the government will unveil plans to reduce the huge number of whiplash claims which have been pushing up car insurance premiums. And here's something. An American study... Now, normally when a sentence starts with an American study, I sneer and pour scorn in it. This one... This one I kind of agree with. An American study says parents who let their kids have TVs in their bedrooms... May be damaging their health. Is it irresponsible to let children have a TV in their bedroom? I know the answer to that. The answer is yes. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. no doubt we'll put some pictures and bits and pieces up there throughout the show as our social media team of six strong people um, go to work. It's not six, it's one. It's Kelly Betts, so she does it when she feels like it. Uh, you can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or. This is my favourite way. You can give us a call. 08459 455 555.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Now, if you're travelling by train today from either Watford Junction or Wolverton, you'll see rail campaigners protesting at the stations. They're unhappy about the rising costs of travel and planned cuts to services and staff. The TUC's Action for Rail campaign claims that average train fares have risen nearly three times faster than wages since the recession began. Supporters are handing out Christmas cards with a message from the train companies to commuters. Well, Matt Dykes is a rail policy officer at the uh, TUC. Morning, Matt. Morning, Ian. What do you think you're going to achieve by protesting today? Passengers know about the fares going up, don't they?
3: Well, the rail fare announcements uh, were made earlier um, in the week, and um, we know that rail fares are going up in January. Uh, we think these rail fares are, are unacceptable, particularly at a time when household incomes are really feeling the squeeze. Um, as you said, you know, if you go back to uh, 2008, our research shows that average rage, uh, train fares have risen by over 27%.
1: But what are you hoping to achieve today, Matt?
3: Three the average wages. What, what, what are you hoping to get out of today? Well, we want to bring pressure to bear on the government, and on train operating companies to show them that the travelling public can't take any more in fare rises, um, families are being priced off the railways, and we want railways run as a public service. We know that the government have already uh, made a U-turn on plans to increase train fares at even higher rates, and we think that that, uh, that more can be done. Um, we think there's a lot of marginal seats out there with a lot of angry rail passengers, and I think the gov- government are vulnerable on this issue.
1: Wh- why don't you stage your campaign outside government offices, where they can see it?
3: We're staging our campaign in many different ways in uh, many different parts of the country. Today is really about us getting out there to let passengers know that we're there, we're on their side, we're campaigning for them, and to build that voice, get passengers on side, get community organisations on side, rail unions, everyone who wants to see an end to the insane uh, way that that rail fares are increasing in this country, and to argue for an alternative.
1: Very quickly, Max, I know we're running out of time. I I think I heard the phrase uh, travel poverty today. How much do you think fares would need to go up uh, by for passengers to actually stop travelling
3: well the, the trouble is many passengers rely on train for, for work, so they can't stop travelling. They're a captive market, and that's why they're being squeezed. But I think low-income families are already being priced off the rail. A family of four looking to travel from, say, Luton this Christmas to visit family in Yorkshire will be paying upwards of £500. That's over a week's wages for the average person.
1: Matt Dykes, thank you very much. Rail Policy Officer at the TUC. Well, listen, it's, it's far too cold for me to uh, dare think about stepping outside. Luckily, I don't have to. We have a team of uh, highly trained monkeys, one of which is uh, driving
4: Gareth Lloyd round and about today. Gareth, whereabouts are you off to? Morning, Ian. Yes, after yesterday's cold morning outside Luton train station, I'm off to Watford Junction. We're making you work this week, Gareth. Yeah, I've got the sniffles good, already. Good, It's a cold good. one this morning, area I see, but it's a very busy station with commuters going in and out to London. Uh, the station, we believe, is nearly five million passengers a year uh, using Watford Junction, and it's uh, managed by uh, London Midland. Now, as we've been hearing, the members of the TUC's Action for Rail campaign will be at Watford Junction, one of the stations in the three counties this morning, as well as Wolverton, uh, handing out Christmas cards to commuters, uh, the campaign being prompted by the Association of Train Operating Companies, this announcement of 4% increase in average rail ticket costs from January. I'll be at 8, uh, after 8 o'clock I'll be speaking to Mick Cash, he's from the RMT, who will be campaigning at Watford Junction, and, uh, and you'll be able to find out uh, what it's like there actually at Watford Junction, and what the, what the people, what the commuters think of the protests going on outside the station. Uh, Gareth, go and buy yourself some handkerchiefs. I need a pack. Though, oh, you sorry. do. Bless you. Wrap up,
1: warm drive carefully. We'll speak to you later on. Thank you, Ian. Ta-ta- oh, did, did you, oh, did you hear that? His, his sad voice at the end? He's heartbroken. Bless him, he's doing a cracking job. Thank you very much, Gareth. Well, after seven, we'll be speaking to Jocelyn Pearson from the Rail Watchdog Passenger Focus, and our political reporter, Paul, that's what he does, Paul Scoynes, will be at Wolverton Station in Milton Keynes, another station where campaigners plan to protest. What do you think about the rail fares? We mentioned this last week. They're going up. I'm guessing you're not happy. What will be interesting is if we could find someone who uses the trains regularly and you kind of think, well, do you know what? They have to go up. It's... I can live with it. 08459 four double five five double five. How do you feel about the train fares going up? Can you cope? Are you having to cut back on the number of train journeys you do? Just because you can't afford it. Are you looking at working closer to home? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll speak to you after this. Daryl Hall and John Oates, Man Eater. Whoa! I had such a terrible evening. Not terrible in the great scheme of things. No one died. It was expensive. It was cold. And it was annoying. So you know, really. But start off lovely. Took my little boy to a cooking class. I know. You make cookies he, 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 I saw him sneeze on them I won't be eating them I, I'm not gonna be eating them he did a big sneeze on them but he make co- I've not told my wife that I think she's gonna have one for breakfast oh well say love so what happened after that that was a nightmare my advice to you dear listener always charge up your phones when you're going out. It was, it was like being stuck in 1987 last night. I'll tell you a bit more a little bit later on in the show. Fly. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459. 455 double 555. Double Lots of train protests going on today. Let us know if you spot them. Fly. What do you make of them?
5: To fly.
1: Is the increase in train fares going to gonna make you think again about travelling by train? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Now, here's something. Whiplash claims are costing you cash. Well, that's if you're the average motorist. It costs you about £90 extra on your insurance premiums every year. The government wants to make it more difficult for people to profit uh, from fake cash for crash scams justice secretary chris grayling will today launch a consultation on creating new independent medical panels to improve diagnosis of whiplash injuries so i got joined now by paul ryman tubb from the milton keynes based motor insurers bureau morning paul good morning Ed. i also got moira darcy who is a chartered physiotherapist owner of st jude's clinic in leighton buzzard and moira you treat people with whiplash on a regular basis don't you uh yes i do um
6: i've been practicing now for 26 years and um Whiplash is something that we do see uh, quite commonly.
1: How serious is whiplash?
6: Uh, well, it can range from... Um, well, the term whiplash is, is to do with soft tissue injuries, uh, affecting muscles and ligaments and uh, joint capsules and the like. And it can range from something as, uh, as, as simple as a stiff neck that lasts for a few days to actually quite severe pain that affects the neck, and... Um, arms, up, back, it can ha- it, there can be other factors such as um, visual disturbances, nausea and dizziness. So you've got quite a range of um, symptoms that can present to you um, and can last maybe just a few days or in some cases many months.
1: How easy is it to fake?
6: Um, I, I feel I actually have, have never seen somebody faking being a malingerer. I've seen people who um, have been extremely anxious. Um, about their level of pain and that they might cause further damage by um, moving normally. And, and one of the things that we have to do as a physiotherapist is explain, advise, reassure, and help that person um, deal with their symptoms um, to, to help them get better as, as quickly as possible.
1: But maybe that, maybe that's just the people... Listen, I'm sure most of the people you've seen, of course, are genuine, but maybe that's how easy it is to, to fake it. I could fake it. Well, if you... Ooh. Yes, well... <laughs> I can't... Moira, I can't tell... I can't tell my neck. My um, neck hurts.
6: Yeah, so we would do a very thorough assessment of you that would oh. last at least an hour. Let me just sit down. <laughs> oh, okay. You're very good, aren't you? See, I could do
1: that. I could do that, Moira. <laughs> I could do a fake cash for crash scam. Yeah, well, um... Because there is, is... Am I right in saying that there is no There is no actual... It, it is down to your judgment, and I'm sure, Maury, your judgment is excellent on these things, but there is no... It, it's not like you can do a blood test and go, oh, you've got this. It, you, you're kind of dependent on looking and talking and, and investigating like that, aren't you?
6: Um, you are, and obviously, as a physiotherapist, um, as I say, we go through a very detailed assessment... Of course. ...which would involve, you know, touching the patient, moving the patient around, um assessing their their pain limits um, and all of their other presenting symptoms, Um, but, uh, you know, when I actually am palpating, which is feeling into somebody's tissues, I can feel muscle spasm, I can feel joint restriction, how well the joints are moving or not moving, and um, I think that would be quite difficult.
1: Of course. Do you you think everyone is as thorough as you, though? Because I I would imagine if... um, if you go and see a GP who's a bit stressed and he's got a load of kids and, and old people sitting in the thing, he'll look at you and go, can you move your neck? No, OK, you've got whiplash. Is, is it, I, I'd imagine that everyone is not as thorough as you, Moira.
6: No, yeah, we take a good hour. Yeah. We do a full uh, first and thorough assessment. I guess um, with the GP, if somebody then presents to them again, complaining of further symptoms, at, at that point they will you know, make a decision to refer on to the, the appropriate specialist to deal with the condition. If I'm in a situation where I'm seeing somebody present with um, symptoms that I feel f- need further investigation such as MRIs, x-rays, again I will uh, speak to the and, and ask if they can be referred on for, for such
1: investigation. Moira, listen, thank you very much. That's uh, Moira Darcy, who is an independent physiotherapist, a chartered physiotherapist, owner of St Jude's Clinic. Uh, Paul, from the Motor Insurers Bureau, why, why do these cash-for-crash claims mean that I have to pay more insurance?
7: Well, effectively, all, all claims to insurers are ultimately paid from premiums, and certainly claims paid by the Motor Insurers Bureau, we deal with claims arriving out of uninsured or untraced driving, And that's funded entirely by insurers, and it adds about £30 to everybody's premium.
1: Because I've had uh, these texts after an accident, or actually a couple of years after an accident, a text saying, hey, we think you could could get pounds, 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 been involved in an accident. And I've had these phone calls saying, oh, just following up on the accident you had, and just wanted to check, do, do, do you think that you've got any problems with your back or your neck? How do those companies get away with it?
7: Well, there's, there's certainly lots of encouragement, isn't there, for people to claim. We've all had those approaches and at, at the moment. Um, that, the approaches are, are allowed to happen. And, and, in fact, those companies then seek to sell your details to lawyers in order to pursue a claim. And the, the problem is, I've, I've no problem at all with the sort of people that Moira is talking about. Mm. People that have genuinely suffered of course. deserve compensation. And, and what, what this consultation is looking to do is, is to say, let's deal with those, let's try and take some of the legal costs out of that process, which brings down the costs for everybody. But at the same time, there's an awful lot of people that the likes of Moira are not seeing, they're not seeking treatment. We offer treatment, rehabilitative treatment, physiotherapy treatment to a lot of claimants that come to us. A lot ignore it, a lot don't take it up. And um, they, they proceed with their claim anyway, with a report from a GP saying they're suffering.
1: It is easy to fake, isn't it? And I'm sure Moira is very efficient and very thorough and she spends an hour, but it is, you just go into a doctor, you sit very stiffly and go, oh, oh, I've hurt my neck, I can't move my neck. Anyone could do that, can't they?
7: I I think that's absolutely right. And and some of the sort of stuff that we see, you know, we we see claims, and and these these are genuine circumstances, where a parked car is parked next to another one, someone opens the door and taps the car next to it, and the occupants of the parked car claim they've got whiplash. Yeah. Wow, now, t- twenty people on a bus get tapped by a small vehicle, and I mean tapped. Twenty people claim for whiplash, and I, I personally have seen two claims in the last couple of weeks where we proved, after a small investigation, that the, the people claiming weren't even in the vehicle. Wow. Yeah. You know, this stuff is going on. The industry needs to do something about it. Well,
1: it, listen, if, if the industry does do something about this, and if it, it's made harder, and then, let's just say that the number of, of these, these fake claims, all of these fake claims are, are stopped, will our insurance premiums really come down? Insurance companies are very, very... I can't think of the last time I heard of anyone saying their insurance premium had actually come down.
7: Sure. You, you really need to ask that of the insurance industry. Um, you, you need to ask the, the insurance market body, the Association of British Insurers. Well, what I would say and what I do know is, is that motor insurance is highly competitive. Most of us buy insurance based on price. And, and insurers, uh, if they can charge slightly less, then they will do because they'll get business in the door.
1: Uh, Paul, thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's Paul Ryman-Tubb. I'm not sure the insurers... Would, th- the thing is, you've got to get your insurance. I don't think they're going to charge slightly less. Two things here. Two things on the back of this. Well, three things. First of all, has this ever happened to you? Have you been, uh, offered, um... D- 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 someone phoned you up after an accident saying, hey, maybe you want to... Maybe you've hurt your neck. Maybe you should make a claim. If that's happened... Can, can Can you phone me up if your insurance policy has gone down in the last five years... Not because you've changed car or because you've moved, just because your your no-claims bonus has has, has gone up. If your insurance policy has gone down in the last five years, and also, just to prove how easy it is to fake, could you phone up, dear listener, and fake whiplash for me? Can you fake you've got a bad neck? It's very... You heard me doing it. It's quite good fun, actually. Sophie Tyler, BBC, Three Counties Radio. Sophie? Yes. Before you go, could you try and fake some whiplash for me? Right now? Yeah. Um, I'll start. I'll stop. Oh, I've hurt my neck, I can't turn my
8: neck. Mm. <laughs> I thought it would be more sudden, like more of a, oh, God, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go, you see. Thank you, Sophie, for being a sport. Everyone's got their own take on whiplash. And we'll hear Catherine Boyles after the news. That's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. So, Catherine, mm-hmm. you're um, pootling down the road... And I, I ram aggressively into your back. Sounds like you. And you... Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, you haven't got whiplash. Right. But you think you could get a few quid out of it. Right. What would you sound like?
2: I'd say, oh, let me just get out of my... Oh, oh, oh. I think I might need medical assistance. The BBC in beds, hearts and barks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs>
1: I do sometimes forget that there are people listening to this nonsense. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Coming up, by the way, if you want to give us a call uh, and, uh, and give us your whiplash impressions, we're trying to prove that it's dead easy to fake whiplash. There is a serious point to this uh, frivolity. Uh, 08459 455 555. The prize uh, for the best whiplash impersonation will be uh, a year off work and free insurance forever. But obviously, that's not true. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, as well as your whiplash impressions, work is underway at the new centre parks in bedfordshire it's costing what 250 million pounds wowzers and it's going to open in it better have a slide and it's going to open in 2014 are you looking forward to it or are you a bit worried about increased traffic congestion oh eight four five nine four double five five double five train fares as we all know are going up january there are protests taking place outside some of the bigger uh, stations throughout the country and throughout Beds, Hearts and Bucks. What do you think? Are do you, do you a fan of these rail increases? Is it going to make you rethink your train usage? Steve's in Chesson. Morning, Steve. Good morning to you. G- uh, yes, hello. <laughs> what, what do you think about these, uh, the, the train fares going up?
5: I think they're pretty well justified, especially where I live. Really? Why? Well, I'm partially. Well, so I'm not immobile, but I've, I struggle to get to places. Yeah. The bus is too far away up the hill, it takes me longer. But if I go to. Chet, just the 10 minute walk down Cheddar Station, I could be in Harlow in three stops, 15 minutes, I can't ask for more. <laughs>
1: How much did it cost? Um, my, my rail card, three quid return. Oh, well, th- well, now listen, you can't say fairer than that. That's a cracking bus. And are they particular are the staff helpful to you there, or, or do they kind of? Because I have seen some excellent staff helping people uh, who are less able-bodied or, or blind or whatever it is we say these days. I've uh, also seen some staff kind of turn their noses up when people have asked for help.
5: Not at all. Uh, even at and even even Harlow. Yeah, okay, sir. Fine. i will give you one hand. They're, they're great. I and mean, without people like them. You know, I wouldn't say I'll be dead, but I'd say life would be pretty unbearable.
1: Stephen, can, can can we just imagine life's a little bit more unbearable a moment? Could what? you could you pretend you've got whiplash and, and let me know what it would sound like, please? Ooh,
5: uh, mm. oh, 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 doctor, I got whiplash. Oh, 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 I think it is. Can you have a look, please? Yes, dear. Hang on a minute. Oh, oh, yeah, mm. Uh, mm. is that okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen? That's wonderful we got a whole little scene there. A bit Frank Spencer at the start, but we... Thank you, Stephen. Well, that set the tone for this morning. Your whiplash impressions, please. Oh, status quo. Right, status quo. Get a lot of flack, right? People say, oh, they're rubbish. Well, let's be honest, they are rubbish. But, but, they're brilliant as well, aren't they? They're brilliant. You can't go wrong with the old Credence Clearwater track rocked up by The Quo. I did go and see The Quo in concert once. For free, it was free. For some reason, I became friendly with, um... Um, Rick Parfitt's driver. How did that happen? How did that happen? I've got no idea. And he got me free tickets. And we went. And the first hour and a half was just wonderful. The next two hours... Yeah, you know... Yeah. But you, you can't knock The Quo. Can we get, let's get the quo in, let's get the quo in, let's get the quo in, I, I've just realised I work at the BBC, it's very funny, when you phone up and just say, hi I'm Ian Lee, can you, oh no sorry we can't help, hi I'm Ian Lee from the BBC, oh yes sir, with great pleasure, what can we do for thee, we're going to get the quo in on this show, the quo is coming in, I wonder if I've got this driver's phone number, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Now, it's been eight years in the planning, but work on the UK's fifth and final Centre Parks in Bedfordshire is well underway. Many drivers on the M1 by Junction 13 and the roads surrounding the site at Woburn will have noticed the signs already up for some time. The £250 million project. I I, I stagger. I'm staggered at reading that out. The £250 million project is due to open in spring 2014. Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, has had a sneaky peek. He spoke to Centre Parks Construction Director,
9: Don Camilleri. John, tell us about this site here. It's a big site. We're standing next to where <coughs> the lake's going to be and the hotel and leisure facilities over there. Um, what are the challenges that you're presented with in constructing this centre parks here in Bedfordshire?
10: Well, um, this is not different um, as a challenge from uh, the way we've built the other villages. Not It's as very as
9: sandy, it. isn't it? Everywhere is sand, and you've had yeah. to remove lots of sand already, haven't you? But you've kept it all on site.
10: Well... Sand is, 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 is utopian. I mean, this, this is probably the best site we have had, we had built on, we're building on, because the quality of the sand is fantastic. You can shape it, reshape it, move it about and replace it, and that's the concept of our, of our construction. We excavate, we move material, we put it somewhere else, and we kind of reshape
9: the site as we go along. This is the fifth and final center parks for uh, the UK. Have you been involved with the building of the other ones as well?
10: Yes. Uh, fortunately, I've been here from day one, or below day, bev- before day one, actually. So,
9: on a personal level, this is this is the last center parks that you'll be building. How do you feel?
10: Um, I'm very excited to build what is termed as being the last one. I don't think we will be looking for other um, center parks in England. Um, but we'll see, you know, we may be going to Ireland. The chief executive of Centre Parks is Martin Dolby.
9: It's in an excellent location, which is, of course is the reason why we chose this site in the first place. So we would fully expect, and particularly given the London catchment area, that this place will do extremely well. We're, we're hoping for occupancies in excess of 90%. And how many people? About 4,000 people every day. And 1,500 jobs expected? Most of those part-time? Yeah, 1,500 jobs. Uh, a significant number of those jobs will be part-time. It probably works out at about 600 full-time equivalents. Um, and, and of course a lot of these uh, jobs will be from the local area. Approximately 80% within 12 to 15 miles of the site. So fantastic for the local economy. Fantastic for the local community. Construction work now, at, a, at its peak, about 1,200 jobs? Yeah, we anticipate about 1,200 construction workers on site at the peak in the middle of next year. That, of, of course, is when all the fit-out is taking place of all the buildings so it'll be a real hive of activity at that time and like the other center parks you're going to be pretty much self-sufficient you've got your own energy center here a sewage treatment plant that sort of thing yeah we, we try not to uh, you know create any impact on the local area so yes we're in the middle of constructing our own sewage treatment plant we'll have an energy center where we can use things like biomass fuel to power up the uh, all the heating systems so very very self-sufficient in terms of the actual site itself uh, 400 acres of lovely forest and we've only removed of the trees, and we're actually planting trees elsewhere in the region to compensate for that tree removal. How excited are you about this this particular project? I am very excited about this (laughs) project. Uh, We've been working on this for over eight years now, Um, but here we are, as I said, week 30 of what is a great project, and uh, we can't really wait at all until it opens in uh, the spring of 2014.
1: Yay! Centre parks, you excited? You're going to go? Have you got your swimmers all packed up, your armbands, your floats, your goggles? Are you going to go are you excited, or are you worried about increased traffic congestion? Because let's be honest, it's going to be it's going to be busy. There's going to be a lot of traffic around it. If you live near, next to, kind of on the route of that Centre Parks, are you worried about it at all? Or are you thinking, "Oh, this is great. This is Job City. We're going to have a fantastic time. We can pop to Centre Parks for the weekend." Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do bear in mind. If you call in this morning, I will be asking you to do your uh, whiplash impressions. We, I, I want to show how easy it is to fake whiplash. It's really easy to do. Really easy. It's one of those things. We spoke to a physiotherapist earlier on, and she gives a very detailed examination. Spends an hour, you know, touching you up and feel and fonding you, and, and finding out what your tissues and your muscles and things. If you go to the GP, you just sit there, and you don't turn your neck. And you go, Oof, yeah... Just sit down, Doctor. So, whiplash impressions, please. Excited about Centreplex. And we'll be talking as well later on about putting TVs in your kids' bedroom. If you do it, and I'm saying this now, if your kids are under 15 and they have a TV in their bedroom, then you are very, very bad Very bad parents, indeed. Now... Here's one who always swings the lead. The excellent whiplash impersonator, Sophie Tyler. But Let's get the weather now with Kate Kinsella. That's your forecast. Kate. Yes. Before you go, yes. have you ever been. Uh, serious question. Have you ever been involved in a car accident?
8: Not a serious one. Thank
1: okay, you thank, we've thank had God, some God for that. Bumps. But suppo- supposing someone offered you lots of money and, and weeks off work if you had whiplash, <laughs> but you didn't have whiplash, do you reckon you could fake it? <laughs> what would it sound like? I'll give you mine. Mine goes like this.
8: Oh, Ah, let me just sit down. Oh, my neck. No, no, no. I'd go. No, I'm fine. I really, I'm fine. It, it's fine. No, no, I can't sip anything, but I'm fine.
1: Oh, yeah. Kate Kinsella. You, you, have to you, you double bluff it. You, you play, w- I'll, I'll play be- dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, thank you very much for that. She's clever, isn't she? How exciting for me. I didn't know what song was coming up. I glimpsed up Our House, Madness. Oh, ah, yeah, it's a fine song. It's not the Madness version, it's this. How wonderful. That's good, that. I've got shivers down my spine there. He wrote that. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Indeed Young. Graham Nash wrote that for Joni Mitchell, who was a, a beautiful young thing and is now a very bizarre, bonkers woman. Imagine having a song like that written for you and about you. How cool would that be? What did you do in life? The, uh, who is it? Um, uh, uh, the, the Patty Boyd, George Harrison's first wife and Eric Clapton's beau, had two of the greatest songs of all time written about her. Do you know what they were? Uh, Something by the Beatles... And uh, Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton. She must have been hot. A friend of mine at school uh, claimed for ages that the song Barbara Ann by the Beach Boys was written about her mum. And we're like, oh, oh yeah, all right, yeah, 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 that's cool. What's your mum's name? Ann. Mm, it did not quite work like that. Now, rail campaigners say they're holding protests at stations throughout the UK against the rising costs of rail travel and planned cuts to services and staff. They've been organised by the TUC's Action for Rail campaign and supporters will be handing out Christmas cards with a message from the train companies to commuters. Well, uh, one of the protests is at Wolverton train station. Another is at Watford Junction, where our reporter, the snuffly Gareth Lloyd, has just arrived. Morning, Gareth. Morning, Ian. What, what's going on out there? What, well, what, what's happening with the TUC and well, all of this? Well,
4: I have just arrived, so I thought the first thing I'd do, run across to the station, have a look and meet the uh, protesters, yep. uh, which I struggled to find. Uh, so I thought, well, I'll ask the station manager, where are all the protesters? And he says, I haven't seen any yet. Aye, aye, aye. So maybe I've beaten the protesters to getting here, do we know what
1: time they're going to get there? Because
4: I'd imagine... Is it is it starting to get a bit busy now, coming up to 7 o'clock? Yes, I mean, this is the time when... Well, although, we're, we're down in Watford, so compared to a commute from Milton Keynes or Bedford, where you'd maybe put an hour to get into the capital, yeah. I guess Watford, you're only looking at maybe half of that. So you could maybe be thinking maybe seven thirty, eight o'clock. But I would think that anyone coming past it uh, around this time would be an important person to get your message across to, if you were a What exactly is the message, Gareth? What are the TUC trying to get across today? Right, well, the campaign uh, has been prompted by the Association Association of Train Operating Companies announcing that the, the, the fees will go up by 4%, a 4% increase in the average rail ticket cost uh, from January. The TUC is saying that this is a further increase on top of already massive increases in rail costs. Uh, they, they reckon since 2008 the average rail ticket has increased by over 25%. Uh, average wages in that time have only increased by less than 10%.
1: But the, you say no one has turned up there yet. It's, it's, it's empty. It's,
4: it's a bit, a bit disappointing on, on their part, isn't it? I mean it, it is yes what 's the junction at the front of the junction there 's building work going on, so it 's quite hard to see a, a nice uh, entrance area, but you <laughs> it's always nice to see a direction. nice entrance oh. area, Gareth, yes. I've checked both sides, left and right, and there's uh, no people uh, protesting at all. Gareth,
1: now have a listen to this. I don't know if you've heard this because you've been, you've been travelling all over the place, but we've been, asking pe- we've been asking people to give us their best whiplash impressions, to, to prove that, that whiplash is easily fake. The government are trying to crack down on these fake uh, cash-for-crash claims that are being made. So all morning, I've been asking people to give us th- their best whiplash impressions. This is what we've had so far.
2: Oh, let me just get out of my... Oh! 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 I think I might need medical assistance. Doctor, I can't wait much.
5: I think it is. Can you have a look, please? Yes, dear. Hang on a minute. Yeah.
8: No, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. It's fine. No, no, I can't sip anything, but I'm fine. I thought it would be more sudden, like more of a, oh, God
1: actually <laughs> wow actually, well, actually the, the, the more i think about it the worse Catherine Boyle's was <laughs> at the time i thought it was wonderful but it's just a woman talking Gareth, can you can you give us your whiplash please
4: well, would you like me to add to that montage with a real life true story what happened to me two years yeah ago? go on what happened Okay, so, uh, I drove into the back of someone so delicately that yep. there was no damage to either car. Yep. And this is them getting out of their car. Oh, let me get out of my car. Let me walk up to the person who's just driven into the back of me. Oh, they're wearing a BBC, wearing a BBC pass. Ah, BBC, lots of money. Oh, on oh my back. Oh, I can't walk. I can't do anything. <laughs> and I've gone through two years of hell. Well, Gareth, you have got it out. Do you feel better now you've, you've unloaded? Well, I still haven't gone through the courts and paid him off, but uh, you know, be wearing that BBC <laughs> badge at the time. Gareth Lloyd, thank you very much. We
1: shall uh, speak to you later on. It's true. I, I was saying earlier on how those three letters BBC can open doors, like it can also be a hindrance. I've had my pass on uh, and and w- been walking around town and been accosted. I've had those chuggers. You know, the, I hate the chuggers, man. I hate the chuggers, and I, you know, I, I really don't get the chuggers. Uh, and they see the BBC badge. And they, I've had someone say, hey, BBC man, you can afford... Hey, you used to be on the TV, you could... No, I can't afford to give my bank details to a random person in the street. There's a new, uh, a new kind of thing that, that's happening near me over Christmas, and it's these young people in their early 20s, and they stand with a bucket outside, you know, like boots and whatever, uh, singing Christmas songs, but singing them really half-heartedly. Admittedly, one lad was there from nine in the morning until six in the evening... Singing Jingle Bells. That's enough to melt anybody's brain. But I'm not going to give to... I made the joke of saying, well, you're rather perky. Give me a very, very dirty look. Front pages, The Times. NHS to pull patients out of private care homes. Thousands will be mused, uh, moved after abuse scandal. Oh, thousands of patients will be moved from NHS-funded private hospitals over the next 18 months. Um, and there is a picture of the family of Jacintha Saldana, the uh, nurse who took her life at the weekend. The Guardian. Another picture of the, uh, the family looking very sad. And Snooper's bill is unworkable, Clegg tells May. Calls for fundamental rethink after damning report from MPs and Beers. Uh, Beers? Piers, There's a Freudian slip. Uh, The Independent. UK military in talks to help Syrian rebels. Uh, And Big Brother Plan uh, angers Clegg. Nick Clegg is uh, apparently going to be in the Big Brother house in January. He's not... He's not, although we'd watch it. The Daily Telegraph. Ministers dishonest over gay weddings. Biggest ever listening exercises discounted half a million opponents of same sex marriages. Uh, What else have we got here? The Daily Mail. Sex texts. The new epidemic. Tell me about it. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, it's. it's, uh, mm, Okay. Uh, What else have we got? The uh, Daily Express. Stay active to beat dementia. And The Sun cat out. Oh, I see. He gets a new house, sadly not, in Jordan. Hate, hate cleric Abu Qatada quit his £400,000 taxpayer-funded home yesterday, only to move into another... It, it's £400,000, but it's horrible. It's not a... You can, you can have horrible £400,000 homes. That's one of them. I was talking about the song Something by the Beatles and Wonderful Tonight, both written about Patty Boyd. Well, Scott Balcony is tweeting me. Something and Wonderful Tonight are terrible, terrible songs. <laughs> Your pudding? What? Ah, good morning. And what could have been, it could have been a dry morning, let's be honest. Good stories this morning, but, you know, a bit newsy. We seem to have um, worked alchemy. Gold! Anyone who calls in to talk about any subject this morning, be prepared to give us your best whiplash impression. Okay? Lots coming up that you will want to have your say about, including protesters against high rail fares are due to be at Wolverton and Watford Junction stations this morning. Will the high cost of train travel stop you travelling or at least make you rethink your train travel? The government wants to try and reduce the number of bogus whiplash claims being made. We all know it's so easy to fake. Call in. Give us your best whiplash fake impression this morning, please. And an American study says parents who let their kids have TVs in their bedrooms may be damaging their health. Normally, when a sentence starts with an American study, I poo-poo and pour scorn. But today, I'm nodding in agreement. I think if you've got a kid under the age of 15 with a TV in their room, you're a bad parent. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333 starting your text 3CR or give us a call. 8459 555. Be warned if you dial that number and get on air this morning, and we do have a couple of lines free, you will be asked to do your whiplash impression.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Now, train travellers, if you are travelling today from either Watford Junction or Wolverton, well, you, you'll probably see rail campaigners protesting at the stations, although they've not turned up at Watford Junction yet. They're unhappy about the rising costs of travel and planned cuts to services and staff. The TUC's Action for Rail campaign claims that average train fares have risen nearly three times faster than wages since the recession began. Supporters are handing out Christmas cards with a message from the train companies to commuters. Well, Jocelyn Pearson is from the independent passenger watchdog Passenger Focus. Morning, Jocelyn. Good morning. How expensive do you think train fares would need to be before passengers just say, I I can't afford this, and they stop travelling?
11: Well, we know that some passengers have already had to do that. But mostly what people tell us is, I don't have a choice. My job is there, I've got to get there, there's no other way to get there. I'm a captive audience. Is
1: Is the campaign by the TUC today actually going to achieve anything?
11: Well... It's for them to say whether it will achieve anything. Um, But we continue to um, work uh, against these high prices, and we were really pleased to see that the government at least brought down the new increase is to you know RPI plus one when it was planned originally to be three. So that at least is some progress.
1: Train fares are all, they're going to go up every year though, aren't they? Because fuel is more expensive, maintaining them is more expensive, everything's more expensive. So it's unrealistic, isn't it, to to, to ask for uh, a price freeze or even a price reduction?
11: Well, the government have said they are working towards you know just the increase of the same as RPI. Mm. So that's what they're supposed to be working towards. And we're saying work towards it quicker.
1: Do you think these increases are fair, Jocelyn? Well,
11: that's going to be, you ask your um, listeners, because that's going to be depending on what ticket they're buying. And some people, you know, that's the average, is, uh, they've been announced at 3.9. But we've looked up some, some fares, and they can go up by 8 nine, ten 9 10%, because train companies have flexibility so ask your listeners what they think do they think it's
1: fair jocelyn i'm going to ask that question now thank you very much jocelyn pearson from the independent passenger watchdog passenger focus she's she's asked the question and asked it perfectly do you think the rail increases the fare increases are fair oh oh <laughs> eight four five nine four double five five double five well, BBC Three Counties political reporter Paul Scoynes is at Wolverton Station this morning. Paul, what's it like there this morning? Morning. Paul, what's it like there this morning? Morning, Ian. It's pretty cold, actually.
12: Yeah, nice frost on all of the cars. And uh, I was just looking through the uh, the, the, the history of the uh, station here, and it's um, it, it's a very old station. 1831 is when it was first used. And if you were to go back then, uh, at around this time of morning you would have caught the quarter to seven into London. It would have taken you about two and a half hours. Now, that's quite different because the 712 that just leaves in a couple of moments will take just 45 minutes into London so I suppose an improvement of service of sorts although not that uh, a lot of the commuters I've been speaking to this morning would, uh, would appreciate that because they feel that the fares have gone up very high over the last few years and that they're not getting a particularly great service for it although they do accept that some of the trains have improved. Uh, we do have a protester here actually, Colin Cook from the RMT he was uh, handing out these Christmas cards and on the front of them it says Merry Christmas and a prosperous new year to us on behalf of the train operating companies and this is what he had to say about why they're protesting here
13: today. Colin Cook, branch secretary of Wolverton, RMT. And Colin tell us why you're protesting here today. Well we're protesting against the increase in fares and then the cuts in service plus the cuts in service to jobs by closing the booking offices. It's leaving the public very vulnerable with no booking offices open. And what would be the particular impact in somewhere like a station like Wolverton? Well, if you come up here after, I think they're proposing to cut the booking office from about 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, There's nobody here from 11 o'clock in the morning till late at night. You've got no communication, only these electric things, and you never know whether electric scoreboards are working right or whether they're not. Um, You're quite vulnerable over here. It's not a busy road late at night, and the station's vulnerable, although it's protected by cameras. You know, we're miles from anywhere if anything was to happen. That extra 4%, is that going to be spent, do you think, on station improvements, on maintenance, that kind of thing? Well, no, you can see the station improvements here. They've improved the station once already, but can't finish the car park off because they can't decide who owns the car park or who's going to pay for it. They've done the station up with no disability facilities. If you want to go to London or... If you want to go to Birmingham or Northampton, if you you've only got one platform with disabled access, you go into Milton Keynes and back home, and if you want to go to London, when you come back from London, you have to get off at Milton Keynes and find transport from Milton Keynes back home, because you can't get over it. If you spend that money on a station, you'd think i would put disability access to all platforms. So what was the RMT would you like to see done? We should like to see it brought back into else, and the money that the, the extra money they're spending on subsidized, which is far greater now than it was under privatisation, put back into running the system properly instead of paying the shareholders.
1: Well, Paul, uh, are commuters generally resigned to this?
12: yeah i think so as a rule i mean they, they were spending an extra 175 pounds or so a year now with this four percent increase and they said that it's probably around about 200 pounds last year as well so they do get the impression that fares are going to go up regardless one way or the other uh the ones i spoke to earlier on though they they feel that they have got a lot of money that they have to pay out for this and they're not necessarily getting the best service
11: i don't mind fares going up if we had an improved service but i don't appreciate them going up by as much as they do for no improvement, really. Um, they've removed comfortable seats for less comfortable seats. Don't necessarily always run on time, but they do run in bad weather.
12: What it's could stagnant. they do to improve?
1: Them?
11: Customer service communication. Customer, yeah, customer service communication.
12: Do you get value for money, do you think?
11: Not really, no. I had to stand up every single night last week, so there was not any seats whatsoever.
12: And how does a 4% increase on that ticket then hit you?
11: Scary, especially when there's no wage increases. So, yeah, not good.
12: Where should they spend that money? Uh,
1: More seats, improving the services, making sure they run on time. Paul, excellent work, uh, as always. A, A couple of things... Why are you hypothesising about time travel? And why are you sounding so breathy? What on earth are you doing there to keep warm? to keep
12: Well, uh, breathing heavily. Um, it, it's what I do, just to keep myself, you know, warm. I, I did do a little sprint up and down the platform before I took part here. Uh, yes, it is very cold, I should say. It's about <laughs> minus one or two degrees here. Good, good. Um, I'm glad. The 712 is pulling, is pulling in now. I can just see is it this now. Your, Actually, I might get on this train? That's yeah, all right.
1: Pete, get on this train. As you're to getting to on, Paul, could you do us a favour? We're asking everyone to give us their best whiplash impression so nice and loud on the train let's hear you having whiplash please (coughs) Ah!
12: is that is that good
1: more i need more
12: more i need more more (laughs) there's a lot of people here ian um
1: just do it paul come on they won't (sighs) mind they just 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 do whiplash (coughs) nice and loudly on a train full of people
12: (coughs) full of people i'm just gonna get on This is quite embarrassing. Hold do? Ow! Is that, is that all right?
1: No, that's not all right, Paul. I want an extended whiplash from you now, or you're fired. From you now, or you're fired. Oh. Ow.
12: <coughs> Sorry, that's more of a throat clear. Really
1: disappointing. Don't come back. Don't come back this afternoon. (laughs) Your job is going to be given to someone else. If you want to hear how whiplash is done properly, have a listen to this.
2: Oh, let me just get out of my... Oh! 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 I think I might need medical assistance.
5: (laughs) Oh! Doctor, i got whiplash. I think it is. Can you have a look, please? Yes, dear. Hang on a minute.
8: Yeah. No, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. It's fine. No... No, I can't sip anything, but I'm fine. Oh, oh, my back. Oh, I can't walk. I can't do anything. I thought it would be more sudden, like more of a, oh, God. See,
1: can you do better than that? You can do better than Paul Scoinesy. By the way, the position of political uh, reporter at BBC Three Counties is now open. So if you want to have a go at that, then please do. He's going to be so angry with us. <laughs> he, he, the thing about Paul Scoinesy is he's a fantastic um, uh, political Fantastic. One of the best. Definitely. But uh, he, And he's a good sport as well. He does have a limit. I think we may have just pushed him past that limit today. Uh, text about whiplash. Uh, Pam in Sundon Park. We're talking about this because the government is trying to crack down on fake whiplash cra- uh, claims, which is putting up our insurance by 90 quid a year on average. Pam in Sundon Park says, In 1976, I fractured my neck in two places, oh, and dislocated a bone in my neck as well. I was lucky I walked away... But that was classed as whiplash. I think it's a little bit more serious than that. Do give us a call. The serious issue of are you reconsidering your train arrangements with the increase in train fares? 08459, 455, 555. But do bear in mind, everybody who calls in today will be asked to give us their best fake. Whiplash impression. Well, if you could see what was happening in our studio today, it turns out the BBC is falling apart. We're trying to settle a guest in, and we can't get any of the microphones to go in the right direction. Hopefully the headphones are working. We shall see whiplash claims are costing you, dear listener, the average motorist, about 90 quid extra on your insurance premiums every year. The government wants to make it more difficult for people to profit from fake cash for crash scams. Justice Secretary uh, Chris Grayling will today launch a consultation on creating new independent medical panels to improve diagnosis of whiplash injuries. Well, Deborah Saney is a personal injury claim solicitor from Picton Solicitors LLP, which is based in Bedfordshire. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. We, we've settled you in. We've got a microphone that's working now, which is always uh, a bonus. You represent people that have, have been uh, victims of whiplash. How do you find these people? Are you one of these companies that sends out the texts and makes the phone calls saying, hey, I think you've been in an accident?
14: Absolutely not. Um, we're lucky at Picton's that we've got a good reputation mm. locally, and we've got offices in beds, bucks and hearts, so we get all our work um, predominantly through recommendation And our good reputation. So we're not one of the firms that will send texts and bombard people. How do those
1: companies get my details? Because I've had the phone calls and the texts. Where do they get it from? The insurance company?
14: I'm not actually 100% sure. I know that they pay quite a lot of money for for that information. Wow. Um, And I've had texts myself and and emails asking me to make a claim. So they, they target anyone.
1: How do you know that someone's not swinging the lead? That they've really got whiplash?
14: I think if you 're a good solicitor and i 've been practicing for some years, yeah. you have quite good um, intuition and it 's quite easy to sort of to know the signs if somebody 's swinging the lead to be honest it hasn 't ever happened to me that i 've had right. somebody come along and they 're faking the injury because they've got to be faking the accident of course, of course first yeah. which is which is actually quite difficult yeah um and i think whiplash is trivialized it's actually quite a serious injury it
1: is a serious injury and i think that's the problem though, because people now you get an, you're in accident and people say oh i've got whiplash people go oh right okay whiplash is it and of course it is a serious injury mm. if you've actually got it but i've been involved in i was in a car crash uh, years ago now seven years ago and the, the girl got out and she was fine and we were like hey sorry about this and we, we gave each other's details And then two months later, I said, oh, yes, the claim's going on a bit longer because she's got whiplash.
14: It is a common common feature of a whiplash, actually, that you can feel fine at the time. And obviously, adrenaline is kicking in. You've had an accident. You're dealing with all of that. And actually, people report to me, my Mm. clients, that I felt absolutely fine at the time. It was only when I went home that my neck started (laughs) killing me Mm. and was really hurting. And that's a common feature, actually, that it won't always immediately hurt at the scene. How much money can you get for whiplash? Uh, It's not professional for me to really say that, because it depends on the severity of the whiplash. A few grand? Probably. It depends on the level of suffering. And is that money
1: for... I'm never quite sure. Is that
14: money compensation?
1: Or is it to go towards treatment? Or is it a mixture of both?
14: (laughs) The compensation is for the actual injury, and then a good solicitor, that's the the important thing about having a good solicitor. Mm. Um, And at Picton's, we're very strong on getting good compensation, but also dealing with the medical side of things also. So that's covered as as a separate... So we would deal with that separately. So if somebody needed additional treatment, physio, that type of thing, Mm. we would work with the insurers to try and fund that for them as well, and that's dealt with separately.
1: You're obviously legit, and you're doing it properly, and you Mm. say you're not one of these companies that sends out these awful texts and these random phone calls. What do you think about the companies that do do that? Because they're giving you a bad name.
14: I don't know if they're giving us a bad name. I don't know if they give the personal injury field a bad name. Um, it's quite an intrusive way, but it's a way of marketing themselves, mm. I suppose. And lots of firms do get work that way. Mm. Um, people don't often think about making a claim. It's only when it's put into their mind that they contact these, you know, they'll respond to these firms and make the claim. So.
1: Well, I have listened I to Edna. Right. Edna's from St Albans. Good morning, Edna. Good morning. Now you were encouraged to make a, fa- a, a false claim. Is that true? Yes. What happened?
11: I had a cold phone call, and somebody said that they could get me compensation for the injuries I had sustained in the car crash that I'd had. Thing is, I don't own a car, oh. and I don't drive.
1: Oh dear. So, what did you? What did you say to them? Uh, I didn't say anything. I just laughed at them and put the phone down. <laughs> Edna, did did you not think? Hang on a second. There, there could be a few quid in here. This this could be Christmas sorted for the grandkids and oh, uh, so get get some new curtains and things like that.
11: No, I'm afraid I didn't. No, it, it, to me it was just a joke. Really? Yeah.
1: And but did, did you? You didn't say anything to him. You just you just hung up.
11: Yes, I did. Mm. Well, I told them I don't own a car, and I don't drive, and I hung up.
1: How strange. How do you think they got your number? Did, uh, and they knew your name, did they? They knew my name, Yes. See, how does that, how does that happen, Debra? That's I very have mysterious, isn't it? no idea, but I mean, yeah. do these
11: <clears> cold <court throat> people get your your name and your telephone number from? I get lots of cold calls from all sorts of people.
1: You can get your um, number put on the uh, th- that system that stops your number being called up. There's, there's a slightly better name for it than that, isn't there? I can't remember what it's called. Oh. Uh, did someone, the, the telephone preference service, that's it. If you register your number on that, yeah. you should, in theory, stop getting cold calls. Oh. Doesn't, doesn't always work, I'll warn you now, no. Edna. Uh, well, listen, thank you very much for that. See, stories like that are not... Uh, that's a w-
14: <laughs> to be honest, you get cold calls about yeah. everything, though, yeah. and you wonder where they get your details from. I don't think it's exclusive no, to personal right. injury claims.
1: Uh, we can talk to Malcolm Tarling now. Malcolm is uh, from the Association of British Insurers. Morning, Malcolm. Good morning. Do you think that solicitors could do more to make sure they don't take on bogus claims for whiplash?
15: Well, I think the legitimate solicitors don't do that, and as Deborah's quite rightly explains, you know, the solicitors have an important job to do to ensure that if you're injured in an accident, you get the compensation which you due, and we have no problem with that. You know, what we want to ensure is that if you've suffered a genuine injury, you get compensation as quickly as possible. Our problem with whiplash is that we we believe Uh, that there are people out there who are exploiting the system. Whiplash is as we all know notoriously difficult to prove or disprove Um, and we've seen a number of whiplash claims which are now running at around 1500 a day um, going up in the last couple of years despite the fact that road accidents have been falling and our roads are safer than ever before. So what we're pleased that the government is announcing today is looking at ways in which we can give more support to the medical profession through independent medical evaluation so that we can much better help and identify the genuine whiplash sufferers from those that are, as you use your word, swinging the lead.
1: Malcolm, if, if, if the, imagine we got rid of all the fake um, claims that, that, that have been made. Insurance premiums aren't going to come down, though, are they?
15: Well, they will, because whiplash adds around an average an extra £90 a year to the average listener's premium. That's around 20% of your motor insurance premium um, goes towards paying whiplash. Now, obviously, um, some of those whiplash claims are genuine, but some aren't. So if we can make it harder for people to make uh, make fraudulent or exaggerated whiplash claims, then, yes, that will certainly have a positive impact.
1: But we know that you insurers, you're you're a wily bunch... Uh, I've, I've been asking this morning for someone to call in with the last time their insurance premium went down and we've had not one phone call on it
15: well premiums do fall um but of course premiums rise and the reason that premiums go up is for for reasons such as whiplash for high um, legal costs in some cases in settling some personal injury claims and uninsured driving but despite the fact it is a very competitive market out there despite all these cost pressures and shopping around will ensure you get the best possible deal
1: uh, malcolm listen thank you very much uh, indeed uh, edna
15: yeah
1: Are you, i don't know if you've heard all morning we've been asking people to give us their best whip whiplash impressions. <laughs> yeah. So imagine you, imagine you did have a car, imagine that someone shunted you from the rear, and you've got whiplash. What would it sound like, Edna? It just said oh, ah, like that. Thank you very much indeed. Deborah. could I persuade you to give us a whiplash impression? not at this time of the morning
5: I, sorry. I knew,
14: I knew <laughs> I was I'm sorry I'm usually up for anything no I, but knew, no, I knew I was
1: pushing it I thought I would, uh, would give it a go I uh, think Edna's was pretty good <laughs> Edna's was spot on wasn't it that was fantastic listen I, I appreciate you coming in at this ridiculous time of the morning and, and, and putting forward uh, the, the, the case for more legitimate uh, companies that, that do this sort of thing a, a website I'm assuming there's a website if people want to come and have a little look for
14: Pictons yes yeah, www.picton.co.uk. all our details are on there and lovely. we're always happy to speak to people lovely thank you very much
1: oh by the way I've got really bad whiplash. Deborah, could you get me some thousands of pounds, please?
14: Um... Can't sit down properly. It looks a bit fake to me. Hey, she's good. We can't get any
1: people past you. Deborah, thank you very much indeed. 08459-455-555. Have you been in an accident? Um, have you had one of those phone calls afterwards? The texts or the phone calls or the email saying, Oh, I believe you've been in a little bit of an accident. Would you like to make a claim? 08459-455-555. Across
2: beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Oh, what a busy morning we've got this morning. We Be warned. I, kn- I knew I was pushing it, asking Deborah to give us a whiplash impression. <laughs> I felt like a naughty little schoolboy asking her. She's a trained woman, for goodness sakes. Edna's was excellent. Uh, if, if you want to hear what uh, the whiplash sounds like, this is the best we've had so far.
2: Oh, let me just get out of my... Oh, oh, oh. I think I might need medical assistance. <laughs>
5: Doctor, I can't wait uh, uh, I think it is. Can you have a look, please? Yes, dear. Hang on a minute. Uh, yeah,
8: mm. Uh, mm. No, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. It, it's fine. No, no, I can't sip anything, but I'm fine. Oh, oh, my back. Oh, I can't walk. I can't do anything. I thought it would be more sudden, like more of a oh, God.
12: Ow. <clears throat> Sorry, it's more of a
1: throat clear. Scoises <laughs> is terrible. He's totally let the side down. There is a serious issue behind this, but let's be honest. Our tongues are firmly in our cheek and we're having a laugh. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you been offered the chance to, 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 to make a slightly hooky claim? I have. I had a phone call. I had a phone call about two years after an accident. I had an accident... In 2009, three years ago, almost to the day, okay, let's say an accident, I had a, a rented car because my car had been in an accident, right? My car had been parked up on the pavement, and a drunk driver had smashed into it, completely ruined it, completely ruined it. So that car had gone, was being fixed, and I had a hire car. So the hire car parked in exactly the same place because I am an idiot. No, a drunk driver didn't hit it. A roof blew off and crushed it. A roof blew off a block of flats and crushed my hire car, right? Three years later, they're still trying to sort it out. I still keep getting emails saying, could you give us some more information? No, I'm not going to give you any more information. I'm not insured by you anymore because you're idiots. And I gave you all the information. I gave you the photos. I gave you the police crime number. I gave you the, the, the insurance company that represent the block of flats. Leave me alone. Davis texted in, uh, 81333, starting his text, 3CR. With the increase in train fares, when the train stops or starts with a jolt, will we see an increase in whiplash injuries to compensate? Um, And uh, a text, oh, here goes the text. I have to text uh, anonymously. As I'm being taken to court, and if the claimant wins, the person will walk away with £30,000. The person had no brake lights. Yes, there is a funny side to whiplash, but not for me at the moment. Would they claim as quickly after a roller coaster ride? You are making me chuckle you lot on on, uh, Twitter this morning Uh, Someone has uh, tweeted I got whiplash once when I rode over a frog on my paper round It squealed and my neck tensed up True story, how much can I get? Um, Shirley Temple has tweeted Paul Scoynes uh, half the commuters listening to his whiplash impression probably thought he got caught in a train door and Scoynesy has tweeted at Paul Scoynes, always worth following a lot of his tweets are very dull but every now and then he'll do a funny one a train full of commuters now think I'm in Chas and Dave call 08459 455
2: 555 08459 455
16: 555
2: BBC Three Counties Radio Morning
1: Halfway through the show, I feel like just taking a breather for a second. It's been quite... It has been quite frenetic. The first 90 minutes. We knew the show was going to be okay today, but it turns out it's been nearly quite good. Lots more to come up, including in the next 30 minutes. A legal challenge of last summer's GCSE English results will open at London's High Court later. Bedford Borough Council is one of the councils taking action against the government. Find out why in the next few minutes. And an American study... No, bear with it. This one actually makes some sense. An American study says parents who let their children have TVs in their bedrooms may be damaging their health. Is it irresponsible to let kids have TVs in their rooms? Yes. If they're under the age of 15 and you you let them have a TV in their room, bad parents. Well, I'll be speaking to the British director of White Dot, an international campaign against TV. Something I would have laughed at 10 years ago. Now I'm kind of thinking you know, they might have some good ideas. We've been talking insurance this morning, mainly fuelled by this this government proposal to make it harder for people to make fake whiplash claims. That apparently puts up the average insurance about 90 quid a year. And I was asking, has anybody in the last five years had their insurance policy go down? It doesn't happen. It does not happen. Because insurance companies... I remember when I was younger... If you had no claims bonus or, you, you know, you, you, your insurance will go down. You get a nice little letter us see. oh, 60 quid I've saved this year, lovely. It goes up. It goes up every year. We will not find anybody. Oh, hang on a second. Dennis and Dunstable?
17: Uh, yeah, not, not in the last five years, a little bit longer. Than Where, okay, how long ago? Oh, probably ten years.
1: All right, I'll, I'll let you tell the story, but I'm still, being, I'm still patting myself on the back. What happened to your insurance policy?
17: I was flooded. Oh uh, we were flooded, but um, it had been a series of almost floods for quite some time. Because
1: what's, what's an almost flood?
17: Well, the water company who run are this area uh, were not draining it away properly. No, there was a, a tank which was, ne- was not working properly. And we'd had water uh, not up to the um, doorstep, just below the air bricks level. And then one night we got a real flood and it came up through the air bricks. The water came up through the air bricks yeah. and we were flooded about the height of the scar- skirting board.
1: Oh, all the wainscoting.
17: People round the corner had it 18 inches up the wall because of the <laughs> lay of their land. Did they? Anyway, uh, when it had all gone down, I contacted the insurance people uh and uh, they told me to get on with it so yeah. not grabbing too much i found a decent carpet fitters yeah. locally and it was the last of a roll so it was fairly cheap beautiful um some of the glassware which had fallen off shelves because of the rocking about of the stuff they got broken but i claim for that but yeah. not too much yeah. And in the end, I built some little coffer dams around around the air bricks, so the water <laughs> would have to be at least one brick higher than the <laughs> back doorstep.: Did
1: you build little dams around your air bricks? Yeah, little
17: metal f- little flames, yeah. You can come and have a look at them. I- I'm all right, but thank you. No, I put them around the air bricks, and I, I made them so that the water would have to be one brick higher than the yes. back doorstep. That'll learn it. So that would be coming in anyway. Yes. Anyway, they they assessed this thing, and then next time I got my uh, insurance thing, it had gone down. By how much? Well, quite quite considerable. It, it had dropped. Uh, it had dropped to say... Mm, about a quarter. That's incredible! Yeah, I know, but it, as I say, because um, I have a good insurance agent. Yeah. It's, not, it's not happened since, though, has it? Well, no, it's, gone, well, it's not been flooded since mm. then. Uh,
1: Dennis, listen, congratulations. Well done on building your uh, your air brick dams. Take that on the Dragon's Den. Yeah, okay, that, well, there's a, there's a story of insurance premiums going down. but it's in the, it, That was ten years ago. Yeah, it's a different world now. Has anybody's insurance premium, house insurance, contents, buildings, car, anything gone down in the last five years i don't think so oh dennis oh we've lost him i forgot to get him to do his whiplash impression oh dennis you escaped you escaped lucky you sir lucky you Oh eight four five nine 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Bedford Borough Council, alongside 41 other local authorities, will today begin its challenge to the government over the GCSE marking this summer. There are also nine schools from Beds, Hearts and Bucks taking part in the action, which calls for the regrading of English papers. The schools and local authorities believe the exam regulator and exam boards move the boundaries on the marks needed to pass the exams with a C grade. They say around ten thousand students missed out on a C grade as a result, and uh, that uh, as a result, and that has prejudiced the life chances of thousands of children. Well, David Sawyer is in uh, a cabinet member for education at uh, Bedford Borough Council. Morning, David. Morning, Ian. Would you explain what
18: you felt happened earlier this year. Yeah, well, as you've just said, ten thousand uh, English GCSE students across the country, and several dozen students in the con- in, in the Bedford Borough who were expecting a C grade got unilaterally downgraded by Ofqual and two of its examination boards and got a D grade. So these are students who were working at the level of the C grade, their teachers, their parents themselves expected to get C grades. And in fact, had they sat the same exam six months earlier in January and done exactly the same paper, they would have got a C grade. But Ofqual and these two examination boards unilaterally without any forewarning downgraded them to a D. And this difference it sounds you know simple is very very important because the C grade in English the basic subject to GCSE is uh, the minimum standard for many sorts of employment for getting into a sixth form for getting into a good university so what Ofqual have done isn't simply change the gradings they've actually um, seriously prejudice the, the life chances of dozens of students across Bedford Borough, and I'm really cross about this.
1: Do we know how many children have been affected in Bedford? We, we had a little look around yesterday. We could only find one school in the area, the Samuel Whitbread Community College in Shefford.
18: Right. Um, every school's been affected. I haven't got the exact number, but it's, um, I think it's probably around 100 and certainly several dozens. And, as I say, you, you've got to think of it in terms of the individual, individual students whose chances have been seriously prejudiced by this unilateral action by Ofqual.
1: Uh, how much money is this legal action going to cost the taxpayers in
18: Bedford? Uh, we've set a limit of £10,000. It's a lot of money, but we think this is important. This is an important case because Bedford Borough Council has to stand behind the our students we say that uh, education is one of the most important thing that um, any person can have and therefore we've got to put our money where our mouth is and students and schools need to see the borough council backing them up and that's what we're going to do
1: it's another um, educated related challenge isn't it from bedford borough council in the past few months you've had the free school appeal costing you money Uh, there there might be some people who'd say well come on look this isn't fair why why are you spending all this money on 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 these uh, such few people
18: well, it's, uh, as I say, several dozen, probably a hundred students and their families. Their, their uh, chances mm. of a good career are being damaged by this action. And I think it's actually a small cost to pay to see that uh, all our students have the best possible chance in life. And we believe uh, this is worth investing in.
1: David, what are you hoping will be the end result of this? What are you looking for?
18: Well, I'm hoping we'll win the case and off quality examination boards will be forced to regrade these examinations without the students having to resit them.
1: David Sawyer, thank you very much for your time. It's David Sawyer, uh, Cabinet Member for Education at Bedford Borough Council. 08459 oh, four double five five
2: double five On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Well, you, you, you don't know, dear listener, how close I was to asking Mr Sawyer there to give me a whiplash impression. I thought better of it. I thought I, I want the kids to be able to eat uh, at Christmas, so uh, I thought better of it. Um, by the way, you may have just heard my phone buzz there. I have my phone on in the studio. I apologise. No, I apologise. Bad studio etiquette. But do you know what... Na- I, I sent a little message out earlier on. Do you know what name just flashed up on my phone there? Quo Andrew. Yeah, that's right. That's Francis Rossi's driver just calling me live. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, I know. Or it might be... He's calling me again. I'll turn it off now, because that's a bit naughty. Oh, no, I can't turn it off. Hang on a second. I don't, I don't answer that. That would be uh, terrible. Uh, it's either Francis Rossi or Rick Parfitt's driver. One of the two. I'm not sure. We're going to get the quo on this show. Let me tell you that. We're going to get the quo on this show. Uh, a text regarding um, whiplash. Why do solicitors start their conversation with... To be honest with you... Oh, <laughs> Tony, have I got to read this out? Tony and Lee Grave then continues... I can't move my neck I can hardly walk and I find it hard to talk that's my whiplash impression (laughs) Tony, thank you could you could you call in with the impressions I can't read out whiplash texts for goodness sakes on the subject of the new center parks that's going to be opening um, early 2014 there's a picture of it on our Facebook page I thought it'd be more finished by now (laughs) it's like a big muddy pit I thought do- like it will have, like, the dome and everything. They have a dome, don't they, Centre Park? It's like a dome, so it's like a controlled environment. But it's, it's just mud at the moment. Um, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR if you uh, want to go and have uh, a look at it. Uh, Philip in Bedford has emailed him. 3CR at BBC.co.uk. Any talk of traffic congestion regarding this, uh, the Centre park is a nonsense compared to, say, a supermarket with attached fuel station. Visitors generally arrive at centre parks over a period of many hours, usually between ten and three, and only on two days a week, Monday and Friday. Just count the cars entering a busy supermarket site on an average day, and you'll find more cars in a 15-minute period than you'll ever see in an hour outside centre parks. Staff arrivals and departures are no more than at a large company, and many start and end outside rush hours rather than being based around a nine-to-five day. The village will be barely, it will barely be noticeable from the road. Any additional jobs for the local area should be welcomed. That's Philip in Bedford. Well, what do you think about it? Do you live nearby? Uh, Philip there seems to be thinking it's a cracking idea to have it. And all this talk about uh, congestion and noise and traffic is uh, a, a little bit of scaremongering. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. In about 5-10 minutes, we are going to be talking about kids having TVs in their bedroom. Could you give us a, a little textage, please, dear listener, and let me know... Have you got kids? How old are they? Have they got a TV in their bedroom? Simple. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Can we find the youngest child to have a TV in their bedroom? I would be shocked and surprised if there are any children under the age of, let's say, eight with a TV in their, in their bedroom. Are you prepared to admit that your kid has one? Always a cracking listen. He'll be in in about, I don't know, 30 minutes or thence about to tell us what's happening on his show. But... Do you allow your child to have a telly in their room? If so, you're damaging their health. That's according to a New American study. Children who have a TV in their room sleep less and have higher levels of fat. Well, David Burke is the British director of White Dot, an international campaign against TV. David, very quickly, why did you set up White Dot?
19: What's its aim? Oh, well, uh, hi there. White Dot is uh, just a bunch of people who got sick of television, turned it off, and found they liked, you know, they enjoyed life more. But there
1: are some good TV programs uh, like Fringe and, and uh, Breaking Bad and Coronation Street.
19: Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, this this old chestnut. I mean, yeah, sure, sure there's 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 good stuff out there, but the thing is if you if you turn off your TV, yeah. you've doubled your free time. You're you know, it's just you're living a very different life. And so although I'll I'll see in the newspaper some uh you know, some TV show and think, "Oh yeah, actually that would be good to see." Um, by the time, by the time it comes on, I, you know, I couldn't, I mean, even mm. if I had a TV, you know, when I, I couldn't be bothered to watch it, it's just, there's other stuff to do. So,
1: uh, I, if you, know, I hope you don't mind me asking, because I'm fascinated by this, because this is some, an idea that I've toyed around in my head a, a, a little bit. When, when uh, did you kind of make the decision to get rid of TV?
19: Oh, God, uh, 1996, I think. Wow. Um,
1: well, you know, And was it
19: easy for you? Well, yeah, I suppose I, I, I think at the time, yes, because I was just sick of it. I was, I found the whole thing kind of depressing. I mean, I, I think if you think about it, you know, periods of lots of television watching can, yes. can often be, you know, you are often times in your life where you, you, you weren't terribly happy. But but it's um it's it's simpler than that. It's just that the the longer you go without watching television, the more alien the idea is. You know, it's it's kind of like if you watch if you watch loads of television the more uh, the more you depend on that if you stop watching television the more you 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 just kind of don't think of watching television so you know it's kind of addictive either way yeah. you either get addicted to tv or you get addicted to not watching tv
1: it's funny 10 years ago i would have laughed in your face sir but as i'm getting older and now i've got kids i'm kind of we watch hardly any tv now we're very selective about what we do watch uh i'm kind of com- coming around to your way of thinking a tv in a kid's bedroom david can, can that be harmful
19: yeah, well, I mean, I think this study isn't the first to show that um, there are health effects, uh, especially with regards to children and watching TV. Um, the, for a long time now, the American Academy of Pediatrics has recommended that no child under two should be watching TV. There's been links to uh, delayed acquisition of speech. There's the occasional study linking it to uh, attention deficit disorder, although I can't, re- I, I don't know, they haven't really proved that one yet. But but I, I think I I would make a simpler point. Mm. Um, sort of alongside the, the public health angle. And, and the point I would make is just that one of the many things that we're teaching kids is a, a very important thing, is how to deal with unstructured time. So, you know, you come home, bored, empty room, what do you do? And um, that moment, you know, like boredom, it's kind of like this miniature existential crisis. You, how you answer that question is is a lot about who you are, you know. Yeah. How you answer that, you know. I'm bored. I'm I'm in my room full of toys. Hmm. What do I feel like doing? What What do I want to do now? That's the question you have to answer over and over. And and if you if you learn how to answer that, you get better at it. You you know. Boredom doesn't scare you because you know there's the thing on the other side of it. You get you get you get to know yourself and and how to how to, what you want to do in life and and that's these are all very important things to teach children if, David, we, if we give them a, a tv and put it in a room yeah first of all i'd say you know the whole thing about you know uh I'm I'm sitting with my children and helping them, you know, make viewing decisions. I mean, that whole thing goes out the window. But but the other thing that happens is, you know, we're teaching kids a lesson. We are teaching them that the minute you're bored, you need I don't know celebrities and brightly colored things to entertain you, and and that boredom is scary, and you need these devices to help you through that. And that's the bit I think is is probably not a good
1: thing to teach kids. David, uh, stay there, because we've got uh, Emma on the line. Emma's from Stevenage. Morning, Emma. Good morning, Ian. You've got kids, have you? I have. You know I've got children. Okay. Well, they're not mine, are they? Uh, <laughs> yes. and, and how old are they, Emma?
0: Well, Gracie's ten, and she's had a telly since she was three. Toby is six, and he's had a telly since three. Right. Grace is on the gifted and talented register. Right. She's highly um, illiterate.
1: She's, she's illiterate?
0: Uh, she's not illiterate. She's very intelligent, And
1: Right, sorry. You, I thought you said illiterate. Yes, yeah, just sorry. clarifying, yes.
0: Um, she's had a telly ever since she was three. She doesn't watch any reality shows. She thinks, like the rest of us, there's yeah. a load of rubbish anyway.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. She, she's had a TV in her bedroom since she was three. Three,
0: yeah. And we've just... We upgraded it last year to a widescreen with a DVD player. She uses it, um... Oy, oy, oy. She does it to help you do your Strictly. Right. Um, n- neither of my children oh, are... I
1: feel responsible now.
0: ...anything
1: what that city man from America says they are. Well, if no, d- don't, don't, don't be I, 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 I'm kind of on David's side on this. I would say at three. Is it true you've got an 18-month-old who's going to okay. get one? Who's yeah, going to get one. A, a TV in the bedroom at 18 months? Yeah, it may be in the bedroom, but it won't <sighs> be on. Oh, you will. Well, <laughs> if... if
0: if she needs to have... she have nursery rhymes that are on there teaching her her alphabet, her, her numbers, which we do as a family anyway. Yeah. If it settles her down and so she can have a sleep, all full well. So, I so think
1: that's a great idea. Hang on a second, hang on a second. I'm, I'm, I <laughs> Is this <laughs> a wind-up? You're going to have... You've got an 18-month-old, and you're going to yeah. have a TV in the bedroom so that she can fall asleep watching the TV?
0: No, it's not for her to... She's in a copter, she won't be able to see it, so it's just... In the background, playing music, which we have stereos all in our bedrooms, and it's just all right.
1: Let's see. Let's, let's uh, see what David from uh, White Dot thinks of this. David,
19: hi there. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I would I, first like to say, I mean, I'm sure your kids are smart. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying if you if you leave uh, TV, you know, that I'm sure your kids are very smart, but. Um, I'd, I'd like to especially point out this thing about the eighteen-month-old, and, and I will bring back the public health angle at this point. Yeah. Oh, does listen? Emma. Emma David. We're David, we're, David we're,
0: is, we're, Emma, we're,
19: Emma David is my guest. Let that's him speak. My um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say really quickly: there, there really have been studies shown on this that that background noise from television interferes with children's acquisition of language, and and that the, the, the children, very young children like that, really need time face to face with you instead of, and, and the TV can get in the way of that. The, the background noise can really be harmful. So I'm just going to throw that out there.
0: I yes, I do agree on some people. If there is some children like that. I have three very articulate children who could all all speak correctly when they were 18 months old. I mean, I must be one of the unusual ones because I've got very articulate children who could say their alphabet back to front, know their front?
1: back to front. What? You want to say it forwards? That's the way to do it. Emma, I'm going to say what David is far too polite to say, okay? Go on. You're a bad mother. I'm not. You're a bad mother for allowing an 18-month-old and a three-year-old to have a TV in their bedroom. Are you bonkers? No, do you want to speak to If She'll tell you I'm not bonkers. No, I don't believe that because she's been brainwashed by all the TV that she's been watching. She hasn't been brainwashed. For goodness' sakes, Emma, why don't you to take? Listen, do do me a favour, right? Yeah. Take the TVs out of their rooms for a month. For a month, put them in the loft. And see how much fun you have. The first week will be hard, I but after that it'll be wonderful. Ian,
0: Ian, my children are, h- are hardly ever home. They're out as they're out at school clubs. They're out at guides and beavers and going to sports facilities. And, well, they, they
1: don't wouldn't. need TV They don't need the TVs. Then take them out. Chuck them out. But why should I? Why should I? Because you are ruining their childhood. They're more fun
0: listening to pop music and dancing in front of the telly and enjoying in learning about history, which we take a- to all the, the castles. They learn about Tony Robinson. Is an they
1: learn about Tony Robinson, Emma? On that bombshell, I'm going to have to let you go. Emma and Stevenage. Always up for an argument, as, as David. As, as, a, as a, I'm a father of, of two boys, uh, three and one almost. I was uh, I found that a little depressing. <laughs>
19: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Well, it, it's. Um, it, it's hard because yeah. you know TV wants it both ways TV if you talk to TV people they say well television is the great foundation of our democracy and it brings the whole country together and whatever um... and then if you if you hit them with any kind of real argument against TV and and there really are arguments out there and the public health thing isn't small um... you know then they then they back up and they say oh come on we're just a bit of fun TV is just a bit of fun how can David, you... I, I, so, I, we so, have you to... know the fact that you can criticize TV and, and I I I mean you 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 took a very hard line with her, but, but it's, it's actually <laughs> Maybe weird, it's a little bit but harsh, it's, yes. yes. But, it, but, it's, but it's worth thinking of, it's worth shaking people up a little yeah. because, because everybody is being told that TV is so harmless, so fun, so wonderful. TV advertises itself. I mean, that's the whole thing about it.
1: David, listen, we have to end it there. We're running out of time. David Burke, uh, British director of White Dot, a campaign against TV. I'm genetically programmed to despise everything that David Burke says, but I'll be honest, he made a lot of sense to me. I'm kind of sat here going... Ah. Oh, 08459 four double five five double five. What do you think? TVs in kids' rooms? Morning. Lots in the last hour of the show. Lots coming up in the last hour. And as always, uh, we'll, we'd love your input on this. Some serious stuff, some not quite so serious stuff. Bits and pieces, including... You'll see protesters at Watford Junction and Wolverton train stations today. They're unhappy about planned fare increases. The cost of uh, the high cost of train travel, is it going to make you rethink your travelling? And have you been in an accident where the driver claimed they'd suffered whiplash? Well, the government will unveil plans to reduce the huge number of whiplash claims which have been pushing up car insurance premiums. Has this happened to you? We've all done it. We've all been in an accident, haven't we? And then, like a, a week later, a month later, in my case, a couple of years later, I've had a phone call from an insurer, from a, a solicitor, saying, um, "Yeah, I believe you've had an accident. So Would you like to make a claim for injury? I'm not injured. Are you sure about that?" Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five and uh, your best whiplash impressions. And also, we just heard there from Emma in Stevenage. She told me she's about to buy her eighteen-month-old child. A TV for her bedroom. I'll say it. If you've got kids under the age of 15 with TVs in their bedrooms, you're a bad parent. It's just not acceptable, is it? maybe you completely disagree with me 08459 455 555, send a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or do go and have an argument on the Facebook page, you've been doing this the last couple of weeks, it's kind of happened spontaneously and and we love reading it facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR go and have a Barney with the other listeners Play, play nice, play friendly, no personal insults, people, we have the power to ban and block but go and have a little argument on there
2: BBC Three Counties Radio
1: Now if you're travelling by train today from either Watford Junction or Wolverton there's a chance you'll see rail campaigners protesting at the stations. Uh, they're unhappy about the rising costs of travel and planned cuts to services and staff. The TUC's Action for Rail campaign claims that average train fares have risen nearly 3 times faster than wages since the recession began. Supporters are handing out Christmas cards with a message from the train companies to commuters. Well, our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, is at Watford Junction Station with Mick Cash from the R&T Union. Gareth?
4: Morning, thanks very much, Ian. Yes, I'm here at Watford Junction, a very busy station with commuters in and out of London. The station having nearly 5 million passengers a year and it's managed by uh, London Midland. Uh, Mick Cash, you're from the uh, RMT. Um, I've been here uh, for the last couple of hours and and we haven't seen any protesters. Uh, You and another colleague have just arrived. So, uh, what is your plan to do here this morning?
20: Well, today, um, us and uh, many others up and down the country, uh, particularly at the main stations, are going to be handing out postcards to passengers, asking to support our campaign, to pose uh, fare increases, the cuts in services, cuts in booking offices, uh, and the general uh, cutbacks that we've seen in in the rail industry as a result of McNulty. Uh,
4: But haven't we seen cutbacks across every business, every form of, uh, in the last few years, uh, everyone's having to make cuts, aren't they?
20: Well, yeah, and uh, what we're saying, if we're going to cut out uh, money and waste in the rail industry, let's cut out the middleman, which is the, uh, p- the private sector, the private franchisees, who are um, making wads of money on the back of passengers and, uh, and the general public.
4: Uh, you and a colleague here at Watford Junction, we've just heard uh, that, that there's one uh, member of the RMT up at, uh, up at Milton Keynes at Wolverton. Uh, I, uh, do you think there's the support there? Don't see many numbers doing the process, handing out the cards.
20: Yeah, we'll, we're all over the place, so it's not just uh, and Milton Keynes, who'd be down at Euston and other stations uh, in and around the Three Counties area, so, uh, you know, it's not just about uh, the numbers, it's about what the message is, and clearly, uh, fare ca- uh, increases, above infl- inflation fare increases, cutting booking offices, uh, cutting in service, if you go to Watford Junction these days, and I travel on it regular, uh, is not a day goes by without them cutting one sort of train out, because they haven't got enough staff, and yet they want to cut more staff.
4: You mentioned that message, actually, what, what does the card say? What does the, the card it, say to passengers?
20: It asks us uh, ask passengers to fill in the, the, uh, a card, postcard, that we can send on to MPs to support a campaign to oppose above-inflation fare increases and cuts in services.
4: And now, also, you say uh, to get rid of franchising and, and bring back I- I- the, the rail into public ownership.
20: Yeah, we believe that um, you could save a billion pound a year by actually having a unified rail system, getting rid of the franchise uh, system, getting rid of the fragmentation caused by privatisation
4: completely nationalising the railways then?
20: Yeah, re- yeah renationalise it, it's not a dirty word, it's the right way, it actually would save a billion pounds as you said, and just put that into Cox if you uh, took a billion pound off the fare box you're talking somewhere in region 18% uh, decrease in fares, which ain't a bad thing to have is it in these
4: days? Oh, in January, the the 4% rise in, in, in train fare it, your protest today, isn't it just quite simply people are going to agree with you because they don't want their prices to go up?
20: Well they shouldn't have the prices to go up, that's what we're arguing and actually it's, it's uh, 4% and I've heard figures of 6, 7% on average um, and there's be, there'll be a, a wider range than that. Um, but the reality is this this is on the top of previous for January fare increases. Last five or six years you've seen well above inflation fare increases so it's accumulated over the last few years and that's all because of privatisation.
4: Uh, but nationalisation will cost us more money somewhere else though, won't it?
20: Not necessarily. As we said earlier on, there's a lot of waste and inefficiency and costs associated with privatisation uh, and actually if you got rid of the private sector, got rid of franchisation uh,
4: and the costs associated associated with privatisation you could save up to a billion pound a year thank you very much for joining us this morning mick cash there from the rmt here at watford junction station
1: gareth thank you very much indeed 08459 455 555 what do you think have, have they got a point train fares are going to go up they're always going to go up nationalisation uh, i don't know enough about it it, it sounds to me that, 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 a step backwards but i don't know uh ray from milton keynes is uh, on the line morning ray Morning, sir. Uh, what, what do you make about these, these train protests? Have you have you seen any of them today?
21: Yeah, um, I, we do a taxi service in Keys. I just shot somebody at Warburton Station. Yeah, Obviously, I, you know, you, you gave us the news earlier. So I was on the lookout for the all the protesters, and there's one. Sorry? There's one. Oh. One person. Uh, oh. He's standing by the uh, main entrance to the car park, and just walking up and down every now and then in front of cars... I'm assuming just to try and be uh, annoying, just slow cars down, uh, and he's handing out leaflets, like the other chap said. I'm uh, in the car, so I didn't get one, but um, yeah, that's what he's doing.
1: It's so, n- not not throngs of people there, just just the one fella. Just the one fella. Do you think they've got a point though, Ray? Train fares are going up and up and up. If you're working a cab firm that that, that goes to train stations, you could lose work if people less yeah. people use the trains. I mean,
21: it, it's the same. It's the same thing all the time when people will always find an alternative to go. Uh, they will always find some friend to go with, or whatever it may be. Yep. Uh, but it, it's, it, I used to commute from Warmington Station years ago down into London. Um, when it, it wasn't too bad. I never got a season ticket, but I can just imagine, you hear a st- horrendous story oh, yeah. of how much people are paying out for these fares, and what are they getting for it? Are they getting the service? Are they getting the... They don't get seats very often. Well, I used to stand the whole way. I used to take my bike into the guards van. That tells you how long ago it was. Hey, and yes, and uh, steam powered. We used to. St- oh, it's lovely. And we used to stand and all this business. So it was not. It was not good. But it's got to be worse now.
1: Ray, can I go off on a slight tangent? This morning we're talking about whiplash oh. and being being a driver. You're a professional driver. You get driven around a lot. Have you ever had a bump and suffered whiplash? Yep,
21: um, in January, I had a, a lovely accident down by the station, Milton Keynes station. This chap decided to pull out right in front of us, and it's taken me until just last month now to get any... Comp- I haven't had it yet. Yeah. I've had the letters to say and I've, but it took me all that time.
1: And how much money are you getting? Oh, about four and a half grand. Oh, that's not bad, though, is it, Ray? That's not yeah. bad for a bit of a stiff neck. It, but it but it was, not oh, no. I mean, my life has changed
21: dramatically. Really? bombs. The whiplash thing, I'm not sure what whiplash is. Yeah. Dare say if you've got it, you'd know. But I, I didn't suffer. He, we, we teed him. He pulled out, we sort of teed him into his driver's door. So, aye, aye, aye. And I, you know, my arms, because they took the full brunt of the force, you see, my arms and the steering wheel. So it's my shoulders and what have you. But the neck itself, it's still sore.
1: Yeah. It's still sore, but... Ray, are you married? Yes. Right. OK, just go with me on this one. Go with me on it for a second, OK? Imagine your missus, Mrs. Ray, It wants you to put up some shelves, and to be honest, you want to watch the football that's on, right? Yeah. So the excuse, you couldn't just say, listen, Mrs. Ray, I'm watching the football. You, you could play on the damaged neck a little bit, couldn't you? Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> could you give us, could you just give us that kind of painful, whiplash, damaged neck noise that you'd make to get out of putting up some shelves if your wife asked you to? Oh...
21: Oh, I oh, can't move. I
1: just... That hammer's too heavy. Hang on a minute. Okay. Oh, I've got to sit down. Get me a cup of tea quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ray, you're a good sport. Thank you. Ray from Milton Keynes. Now, that, that's a professional. Did you know... What separates him? The, the, the wheat from the chaff there. Last line. Get me a cup of tea quickly. <laughs> He's a genius. Ray from Milton Keynes. You're a good sport. Thank you very much. I hope your neck does get better. Uh, we're talking about TVs in bedrooms for kids... Uh, we just spoke to Emma and Stevenage, whose three-year-old has one. Eighteen-month-old is going to have a TV in their bedroom. I think if you get kids under 15, got a TV in their bedroom, bad parents. I haven't got a TV in my bedroom. I had one until about four years ago, five years ago. And I used to play Nintendo, N64 up there. And my, my, my wife and I went, Psh, let's try getting rid of it. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, text, April says, my son is four in February. No TV in bedroom, never will have. Bedrooms are for sleeping, dressing and adult pursuits. Is that like dribble suits, but a bit naughtier? Uh, Mark says, my daughter is four years old and has a telly in her room. When she has friends around, they watch DVDs. Rock Sausage, my boy has, uh, has had a TV in his room since he was four. Wow. Jackie and Hitchin, my youngest, are ten and eleven. No TV in the bedroom now or anytime soon. It stops them interacting as a family and they learn about sharing. Um, someone who hasn't watched TV in 16 years is the last person to be telling other people not to watch it. Sounds a bit Mary Whitehouse. Ellen in Ampthill, my daughter was not allowed a TV in her room until last Christmas. She was 15. I wanted to make sure I could monitor and limit her viewing. She now stays up later than me, so I don't know what she watches. She's nearly 17. Uh, 17, 16, 17. I don't mind so much. Kids are supposed to be rebelling and are supposed to be tired and are supposed to be staying up late. Below 15, uh-uh. Nick in Hitchin says, Ian, I haven't had a, a telly for four years. I won't get one. I, make a, I made a conscious decision to go without one after I got divorced. Mm. My ex spent many hours watching so much trash like The X Factor, Strictly, and depressing soaps like Cory and EastEnders. I get out and about. I don't miss the telly at all. Nick in Hitchin. 81333. Start your text. 3CR. I don't, we don't watch much. There, the thing is, there is there are some brilliant, brilliant TV programmes. I mentioned Breaking Bad. If you like kind of dark bleak programs that are wonderfully written and acted. Go and watch Breaking Bad. It's fantastic. There are programs like that that I think are art. There is also a lot of guff, though. A lot of guff. Seriously. Sorry, there was almost a delay there. I was talking um, uh, uh, socks for tyres. I'll explain all in a second. It's 8.16... We've got a but People are wondering. Well, all oh, the new tra- new new trails, new jingles. Oh, we have got a new boy in. Yes, and he's he's he's. Well, he's doing that thing. Whenever you start a new job, I did it here for the first couple of weeks. All oh, keen, 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 keen. keen. <laughs> by, by by week three, yeah. I was the same, exactly the same. G-
16: the, the il- just give up? Yeah,
1: <laughs> week three. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Jonathan Vernon Smith is here. You were the gentleman I was talking to about um, sock wheel socks because snow socks, snow socks. Snow socks. Because, car socks car socks because i was stuck in my car last night my car broke down miles from anywhere with my little boy my phone had died horrible a horrible i had to walk for miles to go and get a cab so that we could i could take him home dropped him off charged up my phone got a cab back to my car waited for the uh, aa for an hour i sat in my car with a blanket over me sh- sh- shivering oh dear so cold oh. it was so cold uh, and you
16: were saying, uh, "Good, I had a blankie." Yes. But then you're going through the list of other things I should have in my yes, car. Yes, you should always have in your car at this time of year as we approach Christmas yes. and the snowy weather. Yes, you should always have your wellies in the boot. Mm-hmm. You should always have wellies a, in the boot. Clever. Nice warm blanket. Yes, and if possible, a shovel in case you get stuck so you can dig your way out. <laughs> no, listen, I'm never going to dig my way out. If i if it comes to the point where a shovel is required.
1: I'm walking. I'm going. Really? Yeah, I've abandoned my car before in the snow. I find it quite exciting when you have to
16: abandon the car. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm thinking of getting these snow socks. Though. So, what do they do then? They go on the wheel? I don't quite know. I saw them the other day in a well known uh, motoring company. Uh, yes. And um, they're about 56 quid. I thought, well, it's worth that. What if it doesn't snow? Yeah. 56 quid. But apparently, you you just kind of, when it snows, yeah. you put them round your front tyres or yeah. round your rear tyres if your car's rear wheel drive. Yeah. And you, I presume, have to. To tie them up or something yeah. and then your wheels become like snow wheels nonsense with little plastic bits that stick out i don't know apparently but, they're quite good well you buy them and try them out and when they don't work i'll say i told you so because that sounds like nonsense i think they only work if it's like proper snow because yeah. if you then drive from proper snow onto onto a road yeah. where the snow is all gone then i think they just are shredded here's another
1: thing that's good about snow It brings out the best in people. Humanity really shines. Because, um, I used to live on a street where when it snowed, it was a busy street, lots of cars would be skidding all over. Couldn't get up this little bit of a hill. Couldn't get up a bit of a hill. You know what people did? People got out and pushed. People got out of their cars, got out of their homes, got out of their wheelchairs, and they pushed.
16: They pushed those cars. (laughs) do you know what happened to me last year i pushed a car it was his family and i was just walking on my own so i gave them a push this is the best story i've ever heard (laughs) they were in a rear wheel drive car (laughs) and I, i pushed them (laughs) <laughs> and suddenly the car it caught a whole load of snow which went straight in my face and then the car caught traction and it drove off, they didn't even thank me <laughs> I was flat on my face what did you want, a tip or something? <laughs> well I thought at least they'd wipe the window down and say thanks very much, they can't they, stop. Didn't. they, they just whisked off, left they... me lying on the floor with they... a face full of snow <laughs> they can't stop in case they have to do it again <laughs> I hate those people coming up on the big phone in this morning at oh, nine, Let made me cry do only greedy liars put in whiplash claims? <laughs> As you've been discussing this morning, there are plans to, cl- to clamp down on the number of bogus whiplash claims. <laughs> the Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, is to outline measures which include doctors oh needing a special licence yes. to approve whiplash payouts. Yes. Whiplash claims are said to cost the average motorist around £90 extra on their insurance premiums every year. So from nine this morning, you're probably crying, you aren't you? Are you really on form this morning, John. From nine, do only greedy liars put in whiplash claims? I want your views and your stories, please. Oh eight four five nine four <laughs> double five five double five. Greedy liars, I greedy liars. Well, aren't they all greedy liars? Well, listen, have a listen to this.
1: We've we've had people now. Some of these people you're about to hear have genuinely got whiplash. Okay, and some of them haven't. See so if you can spot. I've got to find out which ones. Which. You've got to spot okay. which ones. Which? we so have a listen to this?
2: Oh, let me just get out of my. Oh, oh no,
16: she's a liar. Oh. Let's catch well, the greedy, she's a liar. greedy liar.
5: <laughs>
16: He's a greedy liar. Greedy liar.
5: Can you have a look, please? Yes, dear. Yes. Hang on a minute. Yeah.
8: <laughs> no, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. It's fine. No. No, I can't sip anything. No,
16: she's I'm a greedy fine. liar. Oh,
8: oh, my back. Oh, I can't walk. I can't do anything.
16: De- definitely a greedy certain, liar. Like,
8: more of a, oh, God.
16: Oh. She might be genuine.
8: Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh! I can't move.
21: I just that hammer's
16: too heavy. Hang on a minute. Okay.
21: Oh, greedy liar! Oh, no, down. he's actually has got injury. Quickly. What now? How?
12: This is Paul Scoynes. <laughs> Sorry, it's more of a throat clear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a business throat. <laughs> They, they were all kind of hung up. Well, listen, can we, do
16: we get, can we hear your whiplash, uh, fake <coughs> whiplash noise, please? <clears throat> well, do you know, I've never had whiplash, but I did once have. I woke up and my neck, my, uh, this is a true story, my neck had locks like that. And I, I was doing a show on social a Social media, social media, I need a photograph taken, please. <laughs> my head was on one side and I could not straighten my head. I had to do an entire show like this. I'm not even joking. It was <laughs> hilarious. I had to do the whole show like this. You said something then well, that I... Hurts. I thought only fifteen-year-old girls
1: said, "What's that?" I'm not even joking. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not even joking. It was like so, it was honestly. It was like so bad. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Let's hear your whip, nash, whip lash. Whip
2: <laughs> No. On FM, AM, and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh.
1: If you want to get in touch... Greedy liars. If you want to get in touch with Jonathan, he really has literally made me cry this morning, um, then uh, JVS show at bbc.co.uk. And we will... We, he, he just acted having um, a, a, a very poorly neck. We'll get a photograph of that and we'll put that on the um, the, uh, the the Facebook page. Oh, that has made me chuckle. Right whiplash it's the the who'd have thought when this was mentioned yesterday we thought this would be a nice little story who'd have thought it'd be the main thrust for pretty much six hours straight on bbc three counties radio the government the reason we're talking about it is because the government will meet today to work out how to make it harder for people to profit from bogus claims for this kind of injury the ministry of justice say they want to stop the growth of compensation culture in england and wales we can speak now to uh, gary from flittig
22: morning gary Hi, good morning.
1: The, the whiplash, is it a myth?
22: It's definitely not. I, I can sort of understand people laughing and joking about it, because before I had whiplash, I thought it was a bit of a joke, but um, it certainly is and I've sort of lived with it for um, two and a half years now. Wow, how, how did you get injured? So it was a car accident, and I was driving along um, the A6, and a, a young student pulled out, and my son and my, myself were in the car, and he hit my car from the side. It was about eighty eight thousand pounds worth of damage. It, sorry, hang on. It was how much? Eight thousand pounds worth of damage to the car.
1: Wowzers! And how old? How old was your boy? Uh, he was a year, he he uh, two years. Wow, that must have been worrying. And then is is he okay? Was everything all right with him?
22: He, yes, he seems
1: to be. Yes, he seems to be fine. He, he, he would have been one of those super protective seats, wouldn't he? That, that kids he get so that would have would have absorbed it uh, quite a bit. I'd imagine. Yes. So you you. Were you injured straight away? Did you know immediately there was something wrong? Was it a, a delayed reaction?
22: No, initially I just felt a bit of pain and a bit of, stuff and I thought, oh, it's fine. And, and when the paramedics were on site, they said, "Do you want to go to the hospital?" And I said, "No, no, I'm absolutely fine. I'll just take my son to the hospital to have him checked out." And I thought I was absolutely fine. It is,
1: there is, uh, uh, for anyone who's, who's unfortunate enough to have been in a, a car crash, there is an adrenaline rush, isn't there, that can kind of, I would imagine, mask any physical injuries you might have sustained.
22: Oh, definitely. Definitely, yes.
1: So you went to the, the you took your son to the hospital. At what point did you notice that actually things weren't quite right with you?
22: It was probably about two weeks later that I, I noticed that um, I started to have a pain down my neck and, I, and my, I couldn't lift up my arm. It was like a pain that was going through it
1: and you 've got it now two and o- two odd years later how does wh- wh- how bad did it get what was what was the, 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 what was it at its worst
22: at, at the worst it was for about three months i couldn 't pick up anything i couldn 't pick up my son i couldn't do, you know, i couldn 't pick up my daughter there's lots of things that i couldn 't do um, and every night I went to bed I, I had to buy a special pillow I changed the bed you know we bought a new bed to make sure that I could sleep better um, so it was really painful um. But I've been going for physio for about two years now, and at least now it's a lot bearable. So, you know, in the morning I know that I'm going to have pain, and I sort of just deal with it. But
1: And is it, so it going to be completely gone at any point, or are you going to be stuck with, with some
22: pain for the rest of your life? I'm, I'm going to be stuck with some pain for the oh. rest of my life. Um right. I think it's completely gone.
1: What do you think? Because we, we, we have been talking about this. It is a serious thing, and my tongue has been slightly in my cheek. But but when when people mention whiplash, there is always, or quite often at least, the raising of the eyebrows and the, oh, whiplash is it? <laughs> do, do, do you get people who think that you're faking?
22: I, uh, yes, I, I did. And, and funny enough, I, I used to be one of those people. Right. Um, I just think, you know, I just think, oh, whiplash is all about the neck and, you know, people have got a sore neck. But actually,. Um, there's a lot more to it than, you know, when you're living it, then you realise there's a lot more to it than just this, what people think, that it's a sore neck.
1: Did you get money? Did you get money on the compensation?
22: Uh, uh, it's a bit of a frustrating thing for me because um, I want to be fair, and, you know, I've sort of spoken to the insurance company, um, I've had some MRI scans and I've said to them, look, you know, the offer that they've originally made me, I don't think is fair considering, you know, the amount of physio I've had and everything mm. and... Um, i continually speaking to them. They're saying, well, no, that's our offer. And then what I did is spoke to a solicitor just to get an idea, and she said that I should get double what they're offering, but she said that she would be making loads more than they'd be paying me out. And what i have trying to be every time is saying, look, I I don't want to get involved with these solicitors, and I don't want to be a money-making racket. I just want to get paid out the money that I'm due. And um, the, the insurance company are just sticking by, so...
1: So can I ask you what they've offered you? Um,
22: they've offered me, I think it's two eight. Is and for so, so this would oh, wow. be at least um, five.
1: That doesn't. For, for, we've, we've. I mean, we've heard mentions of, of several thousands pounds for for injuries that have sustained over two years. And you say there were, you know, months when you couldn't pick up your son. Two eight doesn't sound like uh, doesn't sound like a lot at all, does it?
22: No, it doesn't. No, I. I, I just think they. I don't know they. Taking advantage. But the solicitor basically said that, um, (laughs) excuse what I'm saying, but she said, well, you know, if that's going to be their offer, then I'll make sure that we get them. And, you know, she wanted me to put things through for Mm. painkillers and transport back and forth to the physio, which were things that originally I wasn't going to put through for at all.
1: But yeah, you, you, you're realising that perhaps you have to play the game slightly. Gary, we've got to leave it there. Listen, I hope things sort themselves out financially and physically. The, the, the one pl- plus out of this is it would appear that the boy is is uh, uninjured, and that's, uh, that's a godsend. God, I hate, would hate to be in a car crash with my kids. Wow. Gary, thank you very much. Fascinating.
2: Text eight one three double three. Start your message with three CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning.
1: It's been a feisty and fiery show. If you've just tuned in, I thoroughly recommend uh, going have a little uh, listen and eye play some 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 bits. I know. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. This this Tosh can actually throw out some good bits and pieces. In the last 30 minutes of the show before JVS at 9, find out why Nick Clegg has got so annoyed about government plans to give police and intelligence services new powers to monitor your email and internet use. And it's irresponsible to let your kids have TVs in their bedrooms. I've said it, you're a bad parent. If you've got a kid who's under 15 years old with a TV in their bedroom, you are a bad parent. Emma in Stevenage told me earlier she's planning to get... A TV for her 18 months old's bedroom. Wow! I wait four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call. Moving on, they'll save lives, make it easier to catch terrorists and criminals, and are needed quote without delay unquote. That's what the Home Secretary said about her plans to give police and security services more powers to monitor emails, internet use, and social networking sites. But this morning, a joint committee of MPs and peers says that Theresa May must not be given carte blanche to access our communications data. And Nick Clegg agrees, calling for a fundamental rethink of the legislation. Well, our reporter, Gavin Lee, has got more. Morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. What, what are the issues here? OK, well, look at the existing
23: powers at the moment. So your mobile phone at the moment, the Home Secretary already has powers to find out certain things, you know, data, stores information uh, from your bill, for example. And in fact, there's about 800 different bodies that can access uh, your uh, phone bill. When it comes to content, that's slightly different. Now, what this new bill, you know, some, call it, some call it the Snoopers Charter, or it's officially known as the Communications Data Bill, looks at Everything. So all of your social networking stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Skype, including if you're on um, gaming sites, World of Warcraft, or, I don't know, Second Life, or any digital footprint. So if you've been on Amazon, if you're on a particular website, the government can have access, including the content, providing the government gets, through the police and intelligence services, a warrant for it. And so you've had a scrutiny committee looking at this draft legislation for six months. Today it's reported. It's pretty critical, saying that, hang on a minute, the, the powers here are too sweeping for the Home Secretary. Nick Clegg's now turned around today and said, for him and for the Liberal Democrats, it's too far. And scrap the whole thing and start again.
1: Well, the, the Home Office, though, continues to speak about how vital this legislation is to catch paedophiles, terrorists, criminals. Theresa May looks set to continue with it, doesn't she? Yeah, and
23: you've heard it before, but the you know the, the line from the government is, and from Theresa May on this, should I should say, not the government, from the Conservatives, has been that if you've got nothing to worry about, you've got nothing to, to fear, which includes um, web... ...browsing history. So we're talking about if you're on a website, so the BBC site, the government can access what you're looking at. Not necessarily the pages you you see, but when it comes to the police argument here, it's looking at paedophiles, terrorists, websites where you perhaps access bomb-making sites, for example... Um, There's a few eyebrows been raised recently, though, because the terminology changed. The terrorist and paedophile was mentioned by Theresa May. The last description of who would be targeted, who would be looked at here, was anyone in the economic interests in the UK. Now, what does that mean? And that's something that's caused a deep concern. My my understanding here of where this is going in terms of a bill, well, the Home Secretary has said this information now, this report from the committee will be looked at. There is a need for a new kind of... um, report, a new bill, should I say, covering this, but because of the Lib Dems, they do not want to touch this or be associated with it. It's not going anywhere till the next election. And uh, the, has the government responded to this I report? Mean, briefly. I think it's sort of, uh, you can tell the concern here. A Home Office statement this morning is that it believes, according to a spokesperson, the legislation is vital, that it really shouldn't be delayed in terms of coming into to law, and we now have to consider the committee's recommendations carefully.
1: Gavin Lee, thank you very much. That raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? we've got about 25 minutes if you want to give us a call on that what what do you think would you be happy to have the government knowing what websites you have been on knowing what was in your emails knowing what you were doing online i'm not sure i would and it is that thing of well hey if you've got nothing to fear then why do you care well because it's private isn't it it's private what websites i go to it's private what things i'm buying my mum for christmas on amazon It's private, isn't it? Do you remember there was a... a, uh, uh, This is a myth, isn't it? I'm going to say something that I was told was true, and now I'm about to say it out loud. I think it's a myth. that If you send two emails, and if you have one email that's headed how to make a bomb, and if you have another email that's headed Christmas presents, that the Christmas presents one goes through faster because the how to make a bomb one is intercepted by the government. Now I've said that out loud, I've realised that sounds absolutely ridiculous. And up until about 30 seconds ago, I believe that was true. Because someone told me about eight years ago. It's not true. It's not true, is it? Well, I'm confused. I've confused myself. It's not... It can't be true. Oh, wait, four five nine four 555. TVs in bedrooms, very quickly. Kids and TVs in their bedrooms, more specifically. Martin in Hertfordshire says, My son is four, had a TV in his bedroom from when he was two. He has a book every day, apart from the weekend. And then he goes to bed watching a film. He has loved his films from when he was about, and then it cuts off. He goes to bed watching a film. He's four. I'm trying not to sound too judgmental, but inside, my head's going, what? Lisa says, I've finally given a, uh, given way to my kids and let them have a monitor uh, each. They're 17 and 19. After pointed out they could get TV on their computers. Well done. No TV in, uh, in bedrooms, no TV uh, one to two hours before bed for our child. They read, listen to music, and have lots of interest that are done in this time. In my work, challenging behaviour, I always change TV before bed. It improves sleep, age-appropriate TV, and reduced time in front of TV. TV in bedrooms is wrong. I do not have a TV in my house for five years now. I do not miss it. We, we, so we let our little boys watch a little bit of TV. We're very strict. He loves the Pat. Postman Pat, oh, man. Well they? I think about twelve minutes long. He'll get three episodes a day max, split up throughout the day. He'll have one before he goes up for his bath. That's it, pretty much. Occasionally, the odd Mister Maker, and sometimes we watch bits of films like Finding Nemo. He likes Finding Nemo, but that's it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, protesters uh, have been at Watford Junction and Wolverton train stations this morning. They're unhappy about the rising costs of travel and planned cuts to services and staff. The TUC's Action for Rail campaign claims that average train fares have risen nearly three times faster than wages since the recession began. Supporters are handing out Christmas cards with a message from the train companies to commuters. You can have a look at the pictures on our Facebook page if you go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Well, Phil Marsh is chief correspondent at The Railway magazine. He's at Wolverton station now. Morning, Phil. Good morning. These protests, are they going to have any effect? I don't think they will have any effect, but Wolverton is a microcosm of,
24: of what the RMT is protesting about today.
1: There's only, um, there's only one fella there, though, isn't there, at Wolverton? There is, and he's, he's a lovely fella. And we, found out we used to work with other uh,
24: people in common in our long railway career. But um, he has to make the point... Um, there we go, just to prove I'm at the railway station. Well done. The, the, I, I think the point that uh, RMT and a lot of other people are making is that the railways waste a lot of money. At Wolverton, there's a new station building that costs £2 million. It's going to be uh, running a year late before it opens. And all because London, Midland, Rail and the council can't agree on how to uh, where to put various uh, mains facilities, for example.
1: Phil, the fellow that you're with, the one protester at Wolverton train station, what's the feedback been? And has, he, has he had much uptake on these cards he's giving out? Have people given him support or have they kind of told him to get stuffed?
24: Um, I reckon that 50% of people are taking his cards. Right. But at the moment, because it's a building site he's directing people how to get onto the platform because the signage
1: isn't too good. Right. <laughs> OK, well, he's, do- he's doing some good. <laughs> and then the point of the cards is that people fill it in and send it to their MPs. That's correct, yes. But I think what everybody's got to remember,
24: that fares are going up, that's not good because wages aren't going up as much. In general, wages on the railways have, have pocketed since privatisation, and I can uh, tell you that from my experience. But there's been record investment on the railways, and for example in our area, just look at what that money is going towards. The electrification from Bedford over to Blitzley, and the line reopening to Oxford and Aylesbury, and that's going to be a fantastic boost for all of us in this area.
1: So hang on, you're saying that the money that's being, being made from extra tickets is actually going towards something quite good? I am, and it doesn't always go
24: to the train companies, because the government, in their wisdom, they take the money and they sponsor the investment. When it was British Rail, who I joined in 1973, funding was on an annual basis. Now we're on a five-year control, uh, what they call control period funding sided with the regulator and Network Rail and the government. So you've got some certainty with the investment, which is why you've got the lines like the one from Milton Keynes
1: to Oxford. We've it? had a, a, a few romantics and old soaps, Phil, saying that we should re- re-nationalise the railways. That that couldn't ever work, could it? That, that wouldn't work. It's
24: not desirable. And I was very fortunate to uh, attend a lecture made by Tim O'Toole, the chairman of First Group, a month ago, and he said, uh, and the RMT man next to me may hit me now, he said that... Uh-oh. Uh, people that want to re the railways, um, they still believe in BR, they're only loyal to their pension plans and free travel. He's, he's scoffing at me now. But the point is, he also made, he was more serious when he said, privatisation has brought innovation. And, you know, look at the Milton Keynes to Croydon services. Uh, they weren't running before privatisation. So there's a lot of plus points.
1: Phil, could, would, the, would the chap with you, the protester, would you would want to have a quick word with me? Would you like a quick word with the radio?
24: You can do. Here you. He okay.
1: Hello, sir. Morning. You're on BBC Three Counties Radio. My name's Hello. Ian. What, what's your name? Colin Cook. Hello, Colin. Uh, cold out there. So you, you're brave to stand out in this weather. What's What's uh, been the reaction from the public like about the, your your protest this morning?
21: Well, there's, there's, so the support's been very good. Um, earlier on, when a lot of people was, was walking
19: up to, um, to work, obviously they they was all taking the cards. I haven't got access to the station as
13: such, so a lot well, of did... the passenger was. was was coming over to me and asking for the car. Did, did you get booted out of the station? Yeah,
1: yeah. Did they? Did they, so you you're on there and what? Someone came out and said, "Sorry, mate, you can't do this."
21: Well, he never said sorry, mate. He just told me he was going to arrest me if I didn't move off oh. to the car. <laughs> well, it's,
13: it's just... his job. This is his job as well as everybody else's. But it did you realise that you always get one jumped up one, Phil, day.
1: Phil, there's only right. there's only you there at Wolverton. Are you a bit disappointed with with the turnout, or was it only ever going to be you there?
21: Well, no, it's only going to be me, uh, me Colin. Sorry, time, time, yeah. Time. Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's. Because obviously the bulk of these people, the Wolverton station, leave between six o'clock in the morning and I was, well, say half past eight. Um, it's difficult to get people, other people, to get released because most of the Wolverton brands work in the in the workshops at Wolverton. Mm. Um, you know, it's difficult to get them to release to, to come and out.
1: And how long you st- how long are you staying there for? You there all day? Sorry. How long are you staying there for? You there all day? Well, no, I was just going to the 8.37 train's just gone out, so I was going to go and, um up now. Go and have a nice cup of tea. There we go. That's Colin, one of the protest, or the protester at Wolverton train station. And before that, we're speaking to uh, Phil Marsh, who's the chief correspondent at the Railway magazine. Well, as you heard in the news there, Bedford Borough Council, alongside 41 other local authorities, will today begin its challenge to the government over the GCSE marking this summer. There are also nine schools from Beds, Hearts and Bucks taking part in the action, which calls for the regrading of English papers. Our political reporter, Paul Scoyne, is outside the hi- uh, the High Court in London now, yeah. Paul. Uh, yeah, remind us why these schools uh, and Bedford Borough are taking action. Well, Ian, it was because earlier this
12: year, for the first time in in its 24-year history, the, the there was a fall in the GCSE uh, grades, marked A star to C. That's the first time, and uh, that was attributed to an increase in entries, but also to a potential change in grade boundaries and over marking, uh, which is why these authorities and the schools are bringing this action. Now, uh, it was particularly prominent, they say, in English, where boundary changes meant uh, a a change in as much as 10 points, say the teachers. Now, what that means to you and I is that students who were doing the same work in January who were getting graded C, ended up getting graded D in their exams. And uh, uh, schools say that there were over uh, 10,000 children potentially affected by this. So uh, that's their reason for bringing this case to
1: has been a suggestion that the grades were changed because of political pressure. Some people think that GCSEs were getting too easy.
12: Well, that's, that's absolutely uh, what, correct. I mean, What, what uh, the politicians have, have, have long said, and we get this every year, don't we, at the uh, exam time, when they uh, they say, oh, well, you know, it's just because the exams are getting easier. Michael Gove, however, who's the Education Secretary, said that he strongly denied putting pressure on Ofqual, which is the exam regulator in England, and, uh, and, uh, and also Ofqual denied ministerial pressure to influence them as well. However, ministers have attacked the GCSE. Uh, Michael Gove started consultation on a new system earlier this year it's been dubbed a return to the o level and that's due to come in in 2015 so it would appear that there has been some severe criticism of the gcse and there always seems to be that uh, that that remark that they are getting easier as you say and that will seem to be the, the the sort of crux of why they're here this morning
1: paul are you going to be at the high court all day
12: I, I am, I believe so, yeah. Right, so you, so you don't, because be, I mean,
1: uh, you're in central London, you don't, like, nip off to, like, McDonald's or Stringfellows hmm. or anything HMV or anything, like HMV or anything like that?
12: Not until after i finished Dean. Okay. obviously, I'm a professional. Okay. I, w- I will nip across the road to the coffee shop, which, incidentally, if you could buy shares in this coffee shop, I would do, because they're always
1: packed. Excellent, but, Paul. Very quickly before mm. we let you go, and you are—I just, should just point out—you are barely <coughs> clinging onto your job at the moment. We've had quite a few complaints about your um, your lack of luster in the whiplash uh, games that we were playing earlier on. It sounded someone tweeted. It sounded like Paul's got his knickknacks caught in a train door. So could we get something a little bit more more passionate, please? I want pa- I want a passionate, passionate whiplash.
12: whiplash. <clears throat> uh, okay. Well, you have to picture me on a. In a, maybe in a coach, and uh, the, the, the driver brakes suddenly. OK, I just want to set this up. Ow! It's ah, ah. my neck quivering. Better? Thanks very much, Paul.
1: Thanks very so much, Paul. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. You know he's crying inside. He's crying inside. We'll, we'll play the, the the full run of the uh, the excellent whiplash that we've had uh, earlier on. We were talking a few minutes ago to our reporter Gavin Lee about the, the being dubbed the Big Brother, uh, the Big Brother proposal, where the government could have more access to your emails, your online activity. They could know exactly what you're doing and when you're doing it. Uh, Anne in St Albans is calling. Good morning, Anne. Hello, Ian. What, what do you think of this plan? I
25: think I, I, I greet it with grave concern, really. Why? Um, there's so much legislation that the government has tried to bring in over the past couple of years, only to find you've got to U-turn it afterwards because of the unforeseen consequences. And I think this probably comes into the same category. We just got over the, um, the um, phone hacking scandal. Yeah. Which to me, this is just an extension of of phone hacking. Only it's computer hacking and everything else hacking.
1: But it's the government doing it, not newspapers. We 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 trust the government, don't we?
25: Well, I think. (laughs) Oh. Hang on, while I suffer a whiplash. Um, (laughs) No, I don't think we do trust the government. I don't think. I think they're incompetent. They don't seem to know what they're doing.
1: It'll stop paedophiles, Anne. It'll stop the P word and the T word, terrorists.
25: Well, yes, the terrorists will be the government, I'm afraid. Um, I ask about this legislation. When it becomes passed into law, is it then going to be admissible in a court of law, as other evidence obtained at the moment is not? Mm. What are they going to do with it? This is the whole thing. I mean, it's awful to think that I'm on my landing because I can't sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning. I go on Facebook to see how my family's doing... And to think that somebody is monitoring all my moves and all my contacts, I'm afraid that doesn't wash with me.
1: The argument, Anne, is uh, that if you've got nothing to hide, then what's the problem?
25: Well, we all have something to hide. Do you really want to leave... Nothing nothing nasty, nothing sinister, but we all have parts of our lives which are part of our lives.
1: What an honest answer, yes. That's an excellent point.
25: Yes, and then it's not in the public domain, and I don't want it to be in the public domain. It's like going on Facebook. You only give away as much evidence as you're prepared to. You don't go and put your whole world out there.
1: Well, some people do. Idiots. <laughs> I know and know. listen, do. we're running out of time. You know what I'm going to ask you to do, don't you? And in St. Albans? <laughs> <laughs> oh! And in St. Albans, we saved the best till last. Can we get that added? It was some, some frantic editing. Before the end of the show, in the next couple of minutes, we will play you the whole montage of uh, Whiplash. And I, I have to say, we've had some good ones. We've had some not-so-good ones. And in St. Albans, wonderful. And the speed with which she did it, I think she would have been disappointed had I not asked her to do it. I think she would have been disappointed had I not asked her to do it. You take as long as you need to whack that on the end here. I'll talk nonsense for ages. Uh, Daz has um, texted him uh, about this this Big Brother bill. It's a slightly lazy title, but that's what what we're calling it. Well said, Clegg. This is wrong and far too far. Everybody has something to fear from this bill. More and more, we only have a free speech if the government agrees with it. Well, Daz, let's be honest. Free speech doesn't exist. And people often... F- I've done phone-ins... Uh, here, we started an argument here, and at other radio stations, where people say, whoa, hey, what about my free speech? Give me my free speech on here. When you phone up a phone-in station, you most definitely do not... Of course you don't have free speech. There are so many things you can't say when you phone me up on this station. You can't be libelous, you can't swear, you can't be offensive. And free speech it doesn't really exist. But it would worry me, knowing... That all of my online activity was being monitored. I've got, le- and I'm not looking at particularly naughty sites or doing anything particularly illegal. But as Anne said before, she fell down the stairs and suffered whiplash, and we're going to hear that again in a second. I've got secrets. I've got things I don't want people to know about. Anyway, I'll stop rambling, shall I? The, 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 we've we've done some serious stuff. We've done some nonsense. The best. Who'd have thought that the story when when Brendan mentioned the whiplash story in the meeting yesterday, we went. Ah, uh, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll do it. It'll fill fill a few minutes. It didn't fill a few minutes, dear listener. It filled three hours. Three hours of you suffering whiplash.
2: Oh, let me just get out of my. Oh, oh, oh! I think I might need medical assistance. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: oh, oh, doctor, I got whiplash. Oh, oh, I think it is. Can you have a look, please? Yes, dear. Hang on a minute. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, mm.
8: No, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. It is fine. No. No, I can't sip anything, but I'm fine.
4: Oh, oh, my back! Oh, I can't walk. I can't do anything. I
8: thought it would be more sudden, like more of a oh, god. Oh, ah,
21: oh, oh, oh. oh I can't move. I just that hammer's too heavy. Hang on, a minute. Okay. Oh. oh, I've got to sit down. Get
12: me a cup of tea quickly. Ow. <laughs> Sorry, that's more of a throat clear. Ready. Ow. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. It's my neck quivering.
5: Ooh, ooh. Oh, oh, my God, get me some whiskey.
1: Your licence fee paid for that. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. You've been excellent sports. Thank you to everyone who called in today. Didn't we, we had a bit of fun? A little bit of fun. There's nothing wrong with that. Do stick around, though. Following the whiplash theme... Jonathan Vernon-Smith, I'll be back tomorrow at 6. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.